what you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, March 4th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STAKE15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, custom orders, hot-melted Kydex, Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The sales continue at MyPillow. We've got my towels. Now as low as $29.99 for a six-piece set. My slippers, 50% off. And Giza Dream Everything. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. You're, of course, going to enter steak at checkout as the promo code. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, making love in the club, ooh, there you go. You can find everything you need and more at odyssey.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. And he's a licensed FFL if you're into tradesies. More importantly, he's got ammo. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. And you can hit him up via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off-duty, they're wearing apparel for mediocre medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on duty. MediocreMedic.com is the website. They also got a pretty fire IG. And uh, last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the zero fucks, Doug. Dump box. Go throw some money at uh, Marcho Friday and get yourself all decked out to look super extra at the range. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram or on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our new Substack, our Telegram, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now True Social. Welcome 
Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 113. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hey, guys. We've got a great episode coming up for you all today. Got some really good America First interviews coming down the pike in this episode. But before we do any of that, let's jump into the news. How's everybody doing today? Outstanding. Good, good. About as, out, as outstanding as Joe Biden was the other night delivering the State of the Union? Ooh, I don't know if I'm that outstanding. No, I still haven't watched the whole thing. I've caught some clips, but... Ugh. I kept coming back to it, and I was just insulted every time I walked in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, I sat there and watched a good portion of it, and then I went and had to go do something else, and then I came back and sat back down, and I was just like... Yeah. This is, like, really fucking insulting. Mm-hmm. I uh, caught some clips here and there, you know, on Telegram, because everybody was sharing them and making memes out of them too you had the one with nancy rubbing her hands what the hell was that well it was yeah it was uh they were all basically jumping up and standing ovationing him to give him a break (laughs) to let him collect his thoughts and not sound like a fucking retard but they were jumping up at the wrong times like who was the other guy that jumped up at the wrong time yeah schumer jumped up at the wrong time and almost started clapping in like a really awkward position and then Pelosi, like she got up and then just tried to play it off by, yeah, rubbing her hands together like a fucking. That was at an awful time too when they were talking about the uh, cancer related to burn pits in Afghanistan. But that just that illustrates one hundred percent that they were doing that. It was an orchestrated thing, and we we were joking around about how he's going to need to take breaks in order to to maintain his you know train of thought or whatever you want to call it. And you actually mentioned the standing ovations mm-hmm. or the clapping, and it's exactly what happened. Yeah. So yeah. embarrassing, though. And, you know, it, I love how Dan uh, tweeted out after about uh, Trump's uh, speech at CPAC. Yeah. The real so too. <laughs> well, I think somebody should deep fake uh, Donald Trump's face on him for that speech because it was basically Donald Trump's speech. Right. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, undertones of that. Throughout the course, especially when he talked about his four-point plan to uh, move forward and pass some stuff down to the Senate moving forward. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to break it down. So we're going to hear a heap and helping of audio from uh, resident basements. I figure that's why I waited to watch. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we uh, did have a state of Ukraine for the first, I would say, almost half of the address. And we're going to jump right into that now. Right now, enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks from the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russian ruble, ruble, (laughs) making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. We're choking Russia's access. We're choking Russia's access to technology that will sap its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. Tonight, I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime, no more. The United States, I mean it. (laughs) Super serious, guys. The United States Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. 
We're coming for your ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. Now, if only Mexico would do that. Yeah. Well, that's how we kind of got started. Uh, a couple flubs, and uh, he's super serious, guys. So well, he made it some... like 30 seconds in before he had his first. I, I mean. <laughs> you know, one of the things we talked about, the ovations and how they were going to be kind of like mini pauses, but I don't know if it was like poor coordination with his comms team or the fact that maybe he didn't rehearse it enough. Or, or maybe they didn't put pause on the teleprompter because they're afraid he was going to read it. There was a lot of times where when clapping or booing happened, he just like almost nervously continued to read and yeah. like didn't even want to hear it because I don't know if he thought the teleprompter was going to get away from him and he can't talk off the cuff or it was like one of the things I noticed throughout the course of the entire. Oh, and him squinting the entire time too, trying to read that shit. At least he wasn't slamming the table and stuff like he usually does. Maybe he got nervous too, like all like that. That was pretty loud, like their applause and cheer, you know. And he is an old dementia codger. Sort of, <laughs> yeah, so he probably like freaked him out. One thing I did take away from that, though, in, in that statement, you know, and this goes into the whole globalist agenda, the Davos and World Economic Forum stuff, and the collaboration with uh, with our current government in regards to carrying out their plans. You know, coming out of COVID, now we got to enter the next phase. Um, Going after these guys, the oligarchs or whatever you want to call them, and seizing their stuff globally is kind of scary. Yeah, it's to me that's like a it's as a precedent, like where they could do that to anybody. Yeah, I saw somebody had a post the other day that says if if they can do it to some Russian oligarchs, nine million dollar super yacht, then what do you think? Like your house, your bank account, and your Prius, it'll be a lot easier to... Well, we've already seen that shit in Canada where they're locking up people's bank accounts and stuff. And here with the January Sixers. Seizing their their yachts and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me anymore at this point. I mean, it usually doesn't with these people, but you know what I mean. Yeah, certainly do. And we're going to stay on the same tone right now. How about uh, our government's ill-gotten gains? Right. What about Hunter Biden's ill-gotten gains? Not going to seize those. 10% 10% for the big guy? I'm ready for the next clip. <laughs> the ruble has already lost 30% of its value. The Russian stock market has lost 40% of its value. And trading remains suspended. The Russian economy is reeling, and Putin alone is the one to blame. Together with our allies, we're providing support to the Ukrainians in their fight for freedom. Military assistance, economic assistance, humanitarian assistance. We're giving more than a billion dollars of direct assistance to Ukraine and will continue to aid the Ukrainian people as they defend their country and help ease their suffering. It's like there's one person leading the clapping. Like, okay, this is when we start. It was usually Nancy Pelosi. But let me be clear. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, 
the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. Was that a shout out to Hunter? Crystal? <laughs> he said crystal inch, not crystal meth. <laughs> crystal clear. Oh, I'm sure Putin's so scared. Well, he's definitely ratcheted it up the last couple of days, so I'm, I'm pretty sure after seeing... Are these the same severe sanctions that aren't expected to do anything for approximately 30 days? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, mean, I haven't caught up. It's been like two days that I kind of unplugged from everything that's going on, but what's the, like, the latest propaganda? Oh, gosh, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> I just don't understand, you know... The virtue signaling was so awful with, you know, they had the half of American, half Ukraine flag, which technically is a crime. Nobody knew shit about Ukraine. And all of a sudden, everybody's like harping and simping for Ukraine. Like, come on. Well, the American public knew nothing about Ukraine. Our politicians have been getting fat in the wallet off of it for Mm -hmm. a decade or longer now. Installing governments. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. Some of our great friends like the... uh, Thank Godly recently deceased John McCain, Lindsey Graham and friends um, mm-hmm. have, you know, grown their bank accounts off those people and, and all the stuff going on over there. And then we, you know, the, the direct ties to the, the Biden crime family and all the stuff that. Uh, yeah, Ukraine's like the linchpin. It's like everything <laughs> implicates so many people in so many ways. But the American people have no clue. Hopefully this wakes a lot of people up after realize and learn the truth yeah and they uh segued off of that right into i guess it's like the only accomplishment in the almost 90 minute speech that he gave uh he was talking about you know essentially creating inflation and and all this crap that's going on with the uh u.s dollar he brought up the uh american rescue plan Mm. yeah so definitely got a round of jeers not cheers. Let's hear it. Unlike the $2 trillion tax cut passed in the previous administration that benefited the top 1% of Americans, the American Rescue Plan... <laughs> the American Rescue Plan helped working people and left no one behind. Folks. And it worked. It worked. He did set the Guinness World Record for the most time saying folks mm. in a State of the Union address. Well, how do you feel about the American Rescue Plan? Well, I mean. How many checks did you get? Zero. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. I didn't need rescuing. Are they still selling? Uh, selling. Sending checks to people? I don't know. Just welfare. Yeah. That's back and better than ever before. 600 bucks to people. Like every, was it every month? I don't know. Well. During stuff like the relief. I know they have that like pre-credit on your taxes where like for childcare and stuff. Yeah. Instead of like getting the tax or getting the credit at the end, they're like forwarding or they're, they're issuing people like monthly checks. For yeah, I know that. And then if they don't give you something for your children, uh, you um, like up front, like, you know, a check that you could take it off of. It's like a tax credit, I guess. Or you get like a, ret- it, um, a return. 
Yeah. I know Noah mentioned at the top of the show that he thought uh, a lot of the State of the Union address was, to say the least, offensive. I think this is probably the point of the address right here where it kind of got into that. COVID-19 kept us apart. This year, we're finally together again. Tonight... Tonight, we meet as Democrats, Republicans, Independents, but most importantly, as Americans. Mm. With the duty to one another, to America, to the American people, to the Constitution, and an unwavering resolve that freedom will always triumph over tyranny. So, after two years of COVID, it's time to get back together again and just let bygones be bygones. How do you feel about that? No. Yeah, I'm pretty much at fuck off. Yeah. And go fuck yourself. Yeah, basically. Like, no. We don't, we're not going to forget. I mean, where can you not hit on it and it directly affects the average American middle class family? Right. Is it in the wallet, the grocery stores, the gas pumps, your heating bills? Is it with your kids' lack of development and chronological milestones you know my daughter's having a really tough time in school uh getting back into it and she actually me and my wife were trying to get to the root causes of her struggling in math like Mm -hmm. a day ago and she actually brought it up she's like I was in second grade and then COVID came and now I'm in fourth grade and it's like we didn't do anything last year she's like I sat at a computer and like pressed buttons until I got the answer right she said it uh, like organically yeah and I'm just like that really that's hard yeah, and she was she was killing it at math before COVID. And I mean, she's not doing terrible, but she's not like living up to her own standards. So when we press her on it, she she gets defensive, but she's starting to acknowledge what the reasons are. They've essentially lost an entire year of education at a crucial development age, and now they're expecting them to do like double what what all the other stuff they're learning and all the other subjects. Well, and then look at the uh, the students in what was it was it Baltimore? Mm-hmm. They're only doing online classes now. Yep. So just imagine what kind of people are going to grow up to be with absolutely no human interaction too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause your daughter hit the nail on the head. Like I just sat and pressed, but press buttons until I got the right answer. Mm-hmm. If te- that the teachers did nothing. No. I mean, we used to cover it. In- well, the teachers were too busy drinking margaritas on the beach in Hawaii. That's true. That did happen yeah. out here in San Diego. Like, no, we can't go. We're going to die of COVID and still getting paid. And then they're also getting money from the government on the side. And then PPP loans and all this bullshit. These people are disgusting. It's crazy. I was at my in-laws house. Like we had dinner over there like a night or two ago and they were watching local news. And right after local news, it, it transitioned to that show extra. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was just walking past the room where the TV was on and I heard COVID's over and now you have to get dressed. And it's like, get out of those pajamas and get into like the newest fashions of 2022. And I was like, I stopped and I like looked at it. And that's like literally what it was. It was showing like a montage of like people sitting in their pajamas, like on Zoom meetings and stuff. And now like it was like a montage of everybody, you know, the the absolute gayest models modeling all of the newest like business attire. And I'm just like, is this a yeah, real a thing? Lot of real models too that were legit, like got fired from their agencies. They didn't want to get the vaccine. So this is going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, marketing is like an overall, uh, just just a business. And you know, I was talking with my wife about it yesterday because the new Batman movie just came out, and and we were talking about how 
before COVID, they used to go crazy with like uh, putting commercials out and stuff. Yeah. And now it's like they'll do like a couple commercials right before the movie comes out. And then when the movie comes out, the commercials go away for like a week. And then like a week later, it's like, come see the number one movie in the land. And it's just like, and then the commercials are gone. Like the whole marketing, because people still aren't going back to the movies in droves unless it's for like a blockbuster superhero movie. Yeah, they don't need to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, they're transitioning to cable like within 20, 30, 40 days. So it, it's pretty random. But, uh, you know, circling back to the COVID thing. So Joe Biden essentially took credit for ending COVID, asked Americans to come back together and forget about how uh, we were... First of all, all supposed to die this winter. Secondly, the only reason COVID got as bad as it did because we refused to get vaccinated and wear masks. Mm. And uh, for all the things that they did to our children, forget all that stuff. We're going to be friends again. Except, listen here. My plan will not only lower costs and give families a fair shot, it will lower the deficit. The previous administration not only ballooned the deficit with those tax cuts for the very wealthy and corporations, Blue deficit? it undermined the watchdogs, the job of those to keep pandemic relief funds being wasted. Remember we had those debates huh? about whether or not those watchdogs should be able to see every day how much money was being spent, where was it going to the right place? No. But <clears throat> in my administration, the watchdogs are back. And we're going to go after the criminals who stole billions of relief money meant for small business and millions of Americans. And tonight I'm announcing that the Justice Department will soon name a chief prosecutor for pandemic fraud. I'm going to get a lot of congressmen. So if being a Trump supporter or a parent at a PTA meeting wasn't enough, now they're going to start targeting people for pandemic relief fraud. How much you want to bet that they will get how many conservatives do you think they're going to round up in those stings? That's exa- that's only who they're going to go after. And they're not, I bet you any money. They're, I can't, I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> the way, it's just so stupid. They're going to make up this shit just like they did with the J6 people. Yep. You know, it's disgusting. They, another excuse to, you know, invade your privacy, comb through every little thing, you know, in your bank account. And, ugh. It's just too funny. I wonder who he's going to nominate. <laughs> you can't do much worse than the person who's currently heading up the DOJ. Oh, man. No, it'll be interesting to see because legit, all his BFFs are the ones that did that shit. So. And are probably still doing it. Because yeah, there was people like literally who had businesses that were taking assistance loans out. Yeah. They've proven that. You're talking mm-hmm. about the PPPs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not already... Over the line in offendedness. Get ready for a little heaping helping of. Oh gosh. How dare you? It, I mean, it's weird that they left the Trump speech on mm. the teleprompter for the centuries under attack as never before. If you want to go forward, not backwards, we must protect access to health care, preserve a woman's right to choose, and continue to advance maternal health care for all Americans. And folks, for our LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. And I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself 
and reach your God-given potential. Folks. That's probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my life. To just to just to tie those two things into the same sentence. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It, you know what? Him hearing him talk, I can't help but think of like Hitler speak. You know, you know, like when he would like yell. Yes. That's exactly like. Is that what, what you I'm, mean? When Scranton Joe has your back. Yeah. No, you look highly offended. Yeah, I'm just irritated. Yeah. It's irritating to hear it again. You don't want tra- all transgenders to live up to their God-given potential, which includes participating in women's sports? Well, I mean, I don't care what transgender people do, okay. as long as it doesn't affect me. Right. Because that's how everything should be. What I do shouldn't affect you. What you do shouldn't affect me. Basically. And. I'm going to help you cut your day off. I've got your back. Yeah. But when we're, you know, having all this stuff bleed over into the military bleed over into sports and places it shouldn't be like why would you like that's the funny thing about this stuff is that the people that are the most on board with all this are starting to be affected by it i know i've said this before but you know you've got some of the biggest lefty vagina hat wearing weirdos ever that like oh man i mean i might not have to pay for college for my kid because she's really good at whatever Mm -hmm. and then boom yeah, and it's that, but Stacey also like the these race. people Stacey's don't. Here. It, it like it gets worse. Like you know, the whole pedophilia agenda is you know entwined in this bullshit too. Now you're starting to see these people like get all empowered and brave and start talking about how it's okay to to, to have sex with children and you know love is love and they're you know age doesn't matter. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's wild. You know what else was wild? The uh, interesting turn that the State of the Union took following those statements because I, I already was getting a really weird vibe off of some of the stuff that was, you know, he was saying, but then he, he, I just even don't, all right. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> no. And you laugh, but all right, hear, hear me out. Actually hear him out. Investigating crime prevention and community policing cops who walk the beat, who know the neighborhood and who can restore trust and safety. Let's not abandon our streets mm-hmm. or choose between safety and equal justice. Mm-hmm. Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. That's why the Justice Department has required body cameras, banned choke calls, and restricted no-knock warrants for its officers. That's why the American Rescue Plan that you all provided $350 billion that cities, states, and counties can use to hire more police, invest in more proven strategies. Pretty on point on Democrat message. <laughs> proven strategies like proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers breaking the cycle of violence and trauma, and giving young people some hope. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. Mm. It's to fund the police. Mm-hmm. Fund them. Fund them. Wait, so who painted that on the street? Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our communities. So, yeah, that there was that. And, well, uh, <laughs> Antoinette, you probably remember Chuck Schumer taking a knee at the defund police Black Lives Matter Memorial in New York City. 
Oh, come on. This is just ridiculous. Like, like <laughs> what? That's, yeah, who, that's since been painted over. Yeah, who painted that shit on the street out there? Wasn't it them? Mm. It's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, like, the NYPD, for example, I have family in the NYPD. Like, they were struggling so bad because of these people's policies being defunded, being demonized. And now all of a sudden, like, I can't even imagine what they're thinking if they watch this and, and heard. Oh, I can imagine what they're uh, thinking. And it's probably, they're just as flabbergasted as we are. Yeah, uh, just. I yeah, just that's, <laughs> that's the part where I was, when I was talking about, like, deep faking Trump's face on Biden. Like that, I mean. For that part, maybe. The, the, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they, the, but there's a lot of stuff that he basically plagiarized from Trump. Oh. Well, here's the thing. They know they're, they're fucking panicking because midterms are coming. They obviously with everything that they're doing, rolling back COVID stuff and, you know, and you know what, what happens when they look and the numbers are worse than ever before. Well, how do they think this is like, this is going to be a boon for them for, for right. their, their base, like. Their base is the anti-police group. Mm -hmm. Their base. <laughs> yeah. How are they? Like, I wonder what they're thinking. right now. Hey, what, what? Yeah. There's a bunch of people in their living rooms doing the weird Nancy Pelosi, uh, like knuckle rub. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if they weren't saying it, then they were definitely saying it after the next one. Hear this one. If we are to advance liberty and justice, we need to secure our border and fix the immigration system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. As you might guess, I think we can do both. At our border, we've installed new technology like cutting-edge scanners to better detect drug smuggling. We've set up joint patrols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. Where? We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges in significant larger number so families fleeing persecution and violence can have their curses, cases heard faster and those who don't legitimately hear can be sent back. What? We're screening, we're securing commitments and supporting partners in South and Central America to host more refugees and secure their own borders. Mm. We can do all this while keeping lit the torch of liberty that has led the generation of immigrants to this land. My forebears and many of yours. Provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those with temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. The what? Essential Advise workers? Our laws. So businesses have workers they need and families don't wait decades to reunite. It's not only the right thing to do, it's economically smart thing to do. That's why the immigration reform is supported by everyone from labor unions to religious leaders to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Let's get it done once and for all. Mm. So families don't have to wait decades to reunite. Like, okay, so with <laughs> all this shit that's happening, immigration courts being bumped with a queue that lasts upwards of four to five years now. Mm -hmm. Like you're making people who are trying to legitimately naturalize or whatever their family members to come to the United States who are doing it the proper way. Mm -hmm. Now they have to wait. So they'll be going to the directly to the back of the line. Yeah, because if you don't cut in line, like everybody else is, then you're not going to make it. Sounds like ten percent for the big guy. Mm. Well, that 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 kind of wraps the actual audio I had for his portion of the State of the Union. I hope you guys noticed in the last two clips, the one on 
refunding the police and the border. They were towards the very end, and you could hear a lot of the – he was really breaking down, slurring and rushing, um, yeah. you know, that whole Mexico well, combo yeah. he, he threw out there was a nice one. And he actually read in the refund the police clip – pause break he, he like read he, he said something and then it says interruption and then he like went back into the speech i think that's yeah. where he where the speech writers probably had written that he would get an applause and um i just thought it was pretty funny that he read it i wonder how long they rehearsed this for like how many rehearsals well they probably made him do it a bunch of times and every time it got progressively worse so they said all right just take the day off go take a nap here's a here's a pudding pop and and a handful of drugs yeah go then, get him tiger so let me ask you guys if any of this other stuff sounds familiar. Now, the only thing that's not really aligning up with the Trump agenda that he mentioned was passing the voter bill. That's not happening, but he just had to kind of throw it in there. Um, lowering the price of insulin, which he raised to all-time highs on day one of his administration via yeah. executive order. It was crazy to me. I, I mean, as crazy and ridiculous, ridiculous they are, I just didn't understand why they went after that. He also mentioned tackling the opioid crisis. Yeah, that was that was part of his unity agenda, and mm -hmm. that was one of the more insulting things, too. It's like, beat the opioid epidemic, increase funding for prevention, slash stop the flow of legal drugs, mm -hmm. basically. How are you stopping the flow of legal drugs when you've totally just handicapped everybody that works on the border mm -hmm. in, right. to be able to do their jobs? Because yeah. these people are behind the illicit drugs. <laughs> he touched on veterans affairs and how important our veterans are. Nobody was more pro veterans than Donald Trump. Yeah. And uh the biggest controversial issue. I mean you heard during the securing the border segment MTG and uh Bobert yell and build that wall. It was during the portion of the speech when he was talking about, you know, veterans affairs and how people he kind of tied the whole bow, cancer, burn pits thing. He tried to mosh it all in there the way he always does. And it always oh, yeah. He was like, he made it sound like, oh, well, maybe his brain cancer was caused by the burn pits. Which <laughs> which it totally wasn't. Um, but it was at that point that I think uh, Lauren Boebert yelled out to remember, like, the 13 servicemen and women who died in Afghanistan and the suicide bombing at the... Uh, yeah, I think she said, like, you're responsible for 13 of them or something. Never mentioned it throughout the speech, even though, you know, most State of the Unions would at least acknowledge it, even if you are at fault, for respect of... Yeah, acknowledge it, read their names. Them and their families, or have a moment of silence or something. Maybe they had complicated names. Jen Psaki doubled down the next day on, on, on one of the cable news shows and saying that with all the stuff on the Biden agenda that needed to get out there, he simply didn't have time to write that into his speech. Those were her exact words. How long, uh, I mean... Have there been State of the Union addresses that have been longer than an hour and four minutes? I would assume so. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet there's probably been a couple that lasted a couple hours. Yeah. Pretty. Uh... So basically what she's saying is that she, he wouldn't last that long. He, he, he was at the maximum time. He didn't have time before his uh, meds wore off. I'm giving it a 1% out of 10. 1%? Yeah. Yeah. Just because he didn't really do anything disastrous. And if you if you... Well, I just like that he said the stuff that would totally alienate his base. I'm going to give him a 5.4 out of 10. If the State of the Union was solely designed for him to try and best recreate a Trump speech with, like, a Democratic spin on it. Yeah. 5.4. So, obviously, there was a fallout from the weird Trumpish 
State of the Union address that Noah was highly offended by. Super offended. How dare you? How dare you? So, it was last year, right, Antoinette, where Nancy Pelosi tore up the State of the Union address? Was that last year's? Yeah, I believe it was last year, unless I'm in, like, some Twilight Zone time warp. Okay, so that happened last year, but MTG and, and Bobert yelling, build that wall, and and why didn't you include the 13 soldiers who died in the State of the Union address was up there with, like, January 6th crimes. Oh, of course, yeah. Jen Psaki, let's hear her kind of weigh in on it. Jen, one of the headlines that emerged from the speech last night was a pair of Republican House members who chose to heckle President Biden as he was speaking about his late son, Beau. Do you have any response to what they said? Oh, God. Not really, Jonathan. I have to tell you that during that heckling, uh, which I was watching it on TV with a group of my team team members and colleagues, and we were all excited and cheering, and that was the moment in the speech where the president was talking about his unity agenda and talking about priorities that we should all be able to agree on. Look, one American dies every five minutes of an opioid overdose. Uh, there's no before? question we should do more to help our nation's veterans, people who have been hurt by uh, the, the impacts of burn pits. Of course, we need to do more to work together to cure cancer. And they were heckling around that time and that moment. That I think that says a lot more about them than it does about how important these priorities are and the, and how uh, how much the vast majority of people who were sitting there watching in that chamber last night could work together to solve exactly those problems and others too, probably. So what's gone on for the last couple of years here in I, regards to working together? I would like to see actual footage of them sitting around watching that thing because they're, I guarantee they weren't cheering. Of course not. They were probably just sitting there just like going, oh, please don't fuck up. Please don't fuck up. Please don't fuck up in a way that I have to explain. Oh, Jesus. Did he just say Mexico, Walmart? These are the same people that disrespected the uh, people that Trump was honoring, honoring at his so too. You know, like, <laughs> well, it's just it's disingenuous for them to say, like, oh, when they they brought this up and they heckled him while he was talking about his dead son. It's like, no, he mentioned no, dead kidding. American uh, servicemen. And then somebody, you know, yelled something about uh, you're responsible for 13 of them. Right. I mean, it's that's pretty spot on for timing, I think. I think so, too. I mean, these people just lie about, like, they don't even care anymore. <laughs> no, I, I don't necessarily think it's really appropriate to be yelling stuff out during the State of the Union address, but. You know, uh, yeah, I agree, they, obviously. I get, wouldn't have done it, but I get why they're doing it, you know? They, they booed Rush Limbaugh. The Democrats booed yeah. Rush Limbaugh, and he died, like, three weeks later. That's, the, that's exactly it. It's like, yeah. look yeah. how dirty they can be, but if we even give them a little bit of a taste of their own medicine, they trip out. It's like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> Tucky weighed in. I got back-to-backs from him. He's going to talk about virtue signaling and uh, the whole Ukraine thing first. Here, virtually every lawmaker in the room last night from both parties arrived wearing some version of the Ukrainian flag. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy came with both a Ukrainian-themed pocket square and a Ukrainian flag lapel pin. That's about as Ukrainian as you can get. Even the president of Ukraine doesn't do that very often. What McCarthy conspicuously didn't do was don an American flag pin. Mm. No, not at all. And many others went without that, too, because within the context of last night, 
the American flag was literally irrelevant. It's a big uh, thing that nobody really picked up on initially. Yeah, the absence of that speaks volumes. Yeah. Like whether they're going to they're going to explain it off and like well we didn't want to overshadow the Ukrainian blah 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 blah. It's like no, it's like this is who you're there representing. This is this is what you do. Mhm. He did uh weigh in on some of the low lights as well. I just like it for the commentary. So, Joe Biden, who's the president apparently of this country, attempted to deliver a stirring message to the people of Ukraine last night. Unfortunately, it confused the people of Ukraine with the people of Iran. They're different. Watch. Kiev with tanks, but it'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. <laughs> yep, you'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. We could show you a bunch of clips like that, but the truth is true. Biden was not the only politician who was acting a little strange last night. Here's Chuck Schumer, for example, badly messing up the timing on an applause line. Of course, clapping mindlessly is a time-honored tradition of State of the Union addresses. Everyone's a seal for a night. But Chuck Schumer did it a little too mindlessly, even for a senator. Watch. Unlike the $2 trillion tax cut passed in the previous administration that benefited the top 1% of Americans, the American Rescue Plan... The American Rescue Plan helped working people and left no one behind. <laughs> the whole thing was so oh, awkward. Yeah, that was pretty fake. But Kirsten Gillibrand is fake to the bone. There's nothing authentic about Kirsten Gillibrand, Facts. especially her enthusiasm. Watch. Mr. President, you knocked out Mark. I was, I was screeching go Joe the whole time. I was like inappropriate in every way. I kept stepping up and saying go Joe, go Joe. I was jumping up the whole time. Yeah, she'd put you in prison and she'd applaud as you went. <laughs> But maybe the weirdest moment of all came when Joe Biden discussed American soldiers injured by breathing toxic smoke from burn pits. Sad story. Watch Nancy Pelosi react. And our troops in Iraq have faced, in Afghanistan, have faced many dangers. One being stationed at bases breathing in toxic smoke from burn pits. <laughs> many of you have been there. I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 40 times. Over 40 <laughs> times. He's talking about burn pits <laughs> in the dark place. When you talk about hell, she gets excited. Just a guess. Yeah, there were some really weird moments. Um, it was just like poorly choreographed. Like, I'll have to watch it now just to see like these poorly choreographed moments. It's bad. It's, like, it's so bad. It definitely it just looks awkward. Yeah, like the Schumer and Pelosi ones were probably the worst. But then yeah. again, I, I said, and then when they try to play it off, like Schumer getting up and like, like oh, smiling, and then like after it was time to clap, he's like, "I wish I could read lips," because he was like talking to somebody off off camera, like, oh, "I was I was clapping at the wrong time." You know, and then <laughs> you saw I forgot to mention it, but when Bobert and MTG were speaking up, they panned live to Lindsey Graham, and he just like looks over at where they are up in the mezzanine, and then he like looks down, and you just see him as clear as day. He just mounts like, "Shut up." Mm -hmm. yep. And it's like, do you not remember a year ago when, like, literally, you know, how many people did they talk about? Like, there was so there was so much uh, veteran and, and military themed things written into that State of the Union address last year, uh, talking about fallen soldiers and their families. They had a lot of gold stars that attended Trump's last one, and, and when Nancy Pelosi kind of ripped it up, you know, they just kind of took it in stride. It's like, hey, this is what people do to Trump. This is the, the normal. Like, what else would you expect? Right. 
So I think uh, getting away from like the funny side of it in our in our last clip to cover this, you know, somebody put it best. You could have wheeled a dumpster, lit it on fire, and just let it burn for ninety minutes, and you probably would have got the same results. Jim Banks weighed in. Uh, he jumped on Laura Ingram shortly thereafter, and uh, here's his take. So true, Laura. It was it was the most uninspiring State of the Union speech that certainly I've ever seen in my lifetime. It was all talk, all rhetoric. I remember when uh, Joe Biden talked about, uh, about, uh, about refunding or funding the police, I looked up in the gallery at AOC, that one of the poster childs of the defund the police movement, and while every Republican and Democrat was standing and applauding, she was sitting and laughing because she knew it was a joke. It was all talk, all rhetoric from the president. When, when Joe Biden talked about securing the border, I looked at Nancy Pelosi right behind him, and she was as surprised as I was and thought maybe it was a mistake on the president's part to talk about securing the border because we were all surprised that he would actually say it. It was all talk. She knew he didn't mean it. He's an empty suit. He's a commander-in-chief who's not in command of anything, and everyone in the room knew it. Yeah, I just want to put it out there for Representative Banks. He's one of my favorites, definitely one of the favorites of the show, pretty based. Next time, could you ask Laura for the audio clip and have her, like, email it to you? He did the interview, then he went back, rewound his television, and recorded it with his cell phone Mm. because that's the audio he shared of it. So, you know, that's kind of... When he's saying that Pelosi seems surprised about what he was saying, there was one portion, and I think it was during when he was talking about the the dead veterans with cancer and toxic exposure. Like, Nancy Pelosi's up there during that particular part, like, shuffling through papers and reading. Like, was she verifying, like... That that was in there? (laughs) I mean... She's just so. Did she forget? So, should, she, should I tear this up? I don't know. Like, is that a thing now? Like, somebody give me a cue. Like, she's like looking around, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can only paint so much of a picture, uh, you know, for it. And, and we tried to break it down the best we can, gave you the highlights, which were essentially the low lights. And, uh, you know, we don't really have to touch on this one again. He, he did kind of take, like, that we said the insulin, the veterans, the opioid crisis, the border refunding the police and all that stuff. He kind of, that's passing the buck down to, you know, the senatorial level um, to essentially say they've got nothing coming down the pike except green new bullshit and uh, trying to get that voter bill passed. Build Back Better was never mentioned once, Mm-mm. even though it was the backdrop of everything from the beginning of uh, essentially his campaign all the way up through probably about, what, a month and a half ago. And, um, you know, they're going to let that one die finally. Hopefully. I think so. I kind of feel it now that people are like onto it. And if know. we, if we start taking some of these Senate races seriously and we get up to 54 or 55 after the midterms, it's going to be a lot more of incentive for uh mansion to come over too, is what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, but we're, we're playing around and, and playing games in places like Pennsylvania and Ohio right now, two States that should be locks for Republicans. And we're just, you know, giving them gimmies where we're either going to get a rhino or we're going to get a Democrat. So we'll have to play it by ear, but As we're getting ready to jump in with our first guest today, Miss Erica Knight, we're going to let her uh, into the chat. All right, coming in and joining us first on the show today. She is not the most eligible bachelor in Trump world. She is also not the star of the plot against the president movie. However, she does represent Cash Patel and a bunch of other people as a political consultant and advisor. She also does national media for Adam Lexalt's 
senatorial campaign. Erica, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. Oh, thanks. Had to do something with it to not confuse our listening audience. How's everything going with you? Yeah, you know, it's good. Just just hanging in there in this crazy world, right? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit crazy to say the least. So I did mention that you're working on Adam Lexall's senatorial campaign. We know from having you as a friend of our show, and, and we've been friends for quite some time now, that you're doing a bunch of other stuff with some other candidates too. But how's that race going? It's it's obviously one of the hottest ones in the country right now. And uh, when you do the math moving forward, uh, we we broke it down with Boris Epstein like about two weeks ago. You know, no, Boris, Boris is a friend of mine too. Oh, that's great. So it's yeah. just one big web of friendship we've all woven one here. Big- Swampy family, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we're all doing really well together. But, you know, we broke down the numbers saying that we're going to pretty much defend every seat and keep the 50. Herschel Walker's up by, like, nearly 90% in his race against Raphael Warnock, so that gives us 51. And then you get into some of those other ones that we, uh, you know, don't have control. It's the, the Greitens in, in Missouri. You have Pennsylvania and Ohio, which are both going to be hotly contested. And then you have Nevada, where, where Adam Lexalt's at. And, and, you know, he's doing really great in his campaign right now. He's been out there working really hard, and uh, we just want to kind of get an update on that. Yeah, I mean, the campaign's going really well. I think last week, Cortez Masto was voted the uh, number one most vulnerable Democrat in the race. I think it was cited as the second most competitive Senate race in the country. And I mean, he's out there kicking butt. He's got a huge following. They're growing every single day. I mean, and it's a real grassroots America First movement. And I he's going to kill it. I can't imagine that there's any way he doesn't take this, especially I mean, I feel like Cortez Masto writes her own fate every single day. Um, you know, the way she votes, the way she acts out in Washington. And I think he's really going to do do a lot to change things and help make things better. Yeah, you know, when we had him on, he had some really good takes on that. And it was just the uh, side-by-side comparisons when you look at the two. It's voting record alone. I, I just don't think that speaks for the huge middle-class uh, representation out there in Washington, D.C., and you know they want to call this, this some of these states blue or purple, but I just I just don't see it when I'm whenever I go to uh, Nevada. It definitely seems like it's a red state. It's a lot of blue collar workers and uh, middle class families, and and that's what Adams out there trying to represent right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in Phoenix, and so I I like to say that we're we're going to always hang on and be a red state. I definitely see Nevada as as being that way, and people are just fed up with it. I mean, I was talking to their team this morning, and Reno, Nevada, gas prices are five dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Oof. Like San Diego and, prices. And you know, Nevada. I mean, we were talking this like these are California prices with no beach. Like, it's it's insane. <laughs> Well, there's a whole lot of beach, just not a lot of ocean. Yeah, I, I paid I paid like five twenty something yesterday, but it was mid grade. Yeah, it's well over five out here, uh, over by my house. It's in the mid fives right now. Even it's even over five dollars at Costco, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that gas is and that gas is terrible. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, out in Arizona, I, I think I'm paying like four fifty, and I drive a basically I drive a big bus basically, <laughs> and so I mean I'm over a hundred bucks to fill my my XL. Yeah, those are last month's prices in San Diego. Um, <laughs> Now, in addition to doing that, like we said, you, you're doing a bunch of other stuff. You're you're working with the uh, the Trucker Freedom Convoy right now, and uh, how's that experience been? And, and how much of a difference was it than just like you know working with like a, a political figure or maybe even jumping into a campaign like Adams? 
Yeah, I mean, this is wild because one, it came together so quickly and two, there are just so many different groups and it grows every single day. They have they have different convoys coming out of all 48 continental states. And I mean, yesterday they left and were, well, two days ago, 7 p.m. on Wednesday, they left from Fresno. This one of them, I guess I should say, they headed down towards Quartzsite, Arizona and through there. And now I believe it's in Texas and over 11 miles long from that way. There's some coming out of Wisconsin that are similar. I mean, and it's just wild. There's people on bridges, hundreds of them sitting there waving at them, greeting them. And I mean, it's interesting. And especially from my perspective, dealing with media, because you see the media right now is so consumed with Ukraine and Russia. And so I think that might be overshadowing this a little bit, and it's probably not getting the attention that it deserves, but these guys are out there and, you know, it's not just mandates that everybody's fighting for. And I mean, I know in Canada, that was, that was the big thing because I mean, they were locked down even more than we were, but yeah. Now, I mean, we're loosening this stuff up. You know, Biden wanted to go to the State of the Union and declare defeat on COVID, but there's so much more of that. I mean, look at everything that we're dealing with. Look at the energy. I mean, we were just talking about energy. The Keystone Pipeline is one of the biggest things these guys want to fight for. I mean, we're over here literally funding this war in Russia and Ukraine by buying all of their energy. I mean, that's... the these truckers are red-blooded Americans and they don't want to deal with that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an excellent point that you make there. And, uh, you know, I saw mayor Pete was on the news yesterday doing a little bit of the cycle and how dare you suggest a, he was cycling a long, oh, yeah. a long-term solution for something that's a short-term crisis, like the gas thing right now. That's, oh. that, that was literally his answer Good for him. Yeah. When, when they talked about domestic drilling and, uh, reopening pipelines that were closed under Biden because the Keystone uh, XL one wasn't the only one, but uh, he shifted gears real quick and he's like, oh, we could always just, you know, buy oil from Iran. Well, uh-huh. and I mean, <laughs> when you've got climate change as the number one issue, your Department of Defense is fighting. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that and white rage, of course. <laughs> well, white rage is actually caused by climate change. That's true. <laughs> Stop mm-hmm. it. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, in Phoenix, I guess it can get so hot that I, I see a lot of rage. We're, we're about hitting that time, 120 degrees. Yeah, you get the, I get ba- angry. the bat wing. Over here, too. It's like yeah, Vegas is heating up, too. <laughs> right. I'm very yeah. th- thankful for the mid-50s in San Diego today. So, I mean, if, if we're worried, so worried about white rage and climate change, I mean, what does it matter if we're funding terrorists and dictators by buying all of their, or all of their oil? I mean, uh-huh. Priorities. Sounds like it goes hand in hand with everything the Biden administration has done since day one. Well, we're not talking about terrorist rage. We're talking about white rage. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Yeah. Erica, <laughs> we're in probably one of the weirdest political climates mm. ever in the last couple of years. Definitely, you know, it was a wild ride during the Trump administration. There's a lot of unfinished business. And what was ushered in last January has kind of got us into the situation we're in now. Um, but I think, you know, and this goes this goes back to some of the stuff that that has to do with you working on campaigns like Adams, the, the nationalist, you know, America first movement at really grassroots and, and and all the different kinds of people who are getting involved in these races are not your typical politicians. 
by any means. Uh, they're coming from all walks of life, men and women who are looking to, uh, you know, really make some changes and, and represent the people for probably the first time in a long time. We've seen a lot of pushback from the establishment, uh, even from the GOP. You know, we had three candidates on last week all on the same show, Robbie Starbuck, Mike Collins, and uh, Joe Kent. And, uh, you know, Robbie and, and Mike are both enjoying having establishment plants essentially put into their national races uh, for House district or for House seats. And then you have Joe Kent who's going – you know, up against uh, an, an incumbent rhino who voted for, like, January 6th and impeachment volume 2. And at the same time, you have people like, you know, McCarthy, who's funneling money into her campaign when, you know, in all the polls, including the head-to-head matchup with the uh, Democrat challenger, Joe's winning. What, what do you think, just opinion-based, the pushback is? Is it fear that those guys won't be able to call the shots anymore when it comes to, like, Speaker of the House, Leader of the Senate, and then, you know, most of them are kind of trying, you know, getting close to the end of their careers anyway, like Lindsey Graham and, and Mitch McConnell, et cetera. But uh, I definitely see some interesting things going on, just as like a political analyst that you would think goes against the grain of what the America First movement is. Look, I think that a lot of these career politicians, rhinos, what have you, have really counted on for a long, long time that we, the American people, just really don't know what's going on. Nobody pays this close of attention to politics, and they were able to push a lot of self-serving things through on both sides for many years. And I think it is so amazing what Trump did because he really rallied up the people and got, you know, all of these people involved that probably never even paid attention to politics because he brought these issues to the surface and people realized you know, what has been done to them for so many years. And so, and I think that's why you're seeing these newer America first politicians come out because it's like these people realize like, we got to do something about this. I, I I think a lot of people were really blind to it. I mean, you see a lot, I think CPAC was awake, not woke, you know, people are really learning what goes on behind the scenes and they are fed up with it. And there are so many people standing up just ready to do something about it. I mean, that's why you're seeing 50, 60,000 people at these rallies. That's why you're seeing tens of thousands of truckers going across the country standing up because, I mean, they see they, they see we've been lied to. And I think, I think those establishment politicians are nervous because you can't get away with that crap anymore. And people know what's going on and they're not going to stand for it. And, I mean, this is a country of we the people and – we the people are standing up and we're going to we're going to make sure we have our rights. Yeah, it went it went so far that it started affecting everybody instead of just some people. So all the people sitting on the sidelines that were just like, "Oh, well, it's not it's not me, you know, it's it's not affecting right. me." But now it's right. everybody. So everybody that is feeling it now is going to get involved. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I guess COVID probably had a huge part of that. There were when people started, you know, telling you you couldn't leave your house or that you had to get an untested vaccine for not only you, but for your children. I mean, I have four kids. And so for me, (laughs) that's insane to me, you know, like you want me to, the government is not going to tell me what to do with me or my children's bodies ever. And I think that pissed a lot of people off because I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids. Well, you do, Antoinette. And I mean, it, it's one thing when you start to tell, you know, oh, yeah. tell them what to do or 
you know, your gas prices get a little too high and you get pissed off, but it's a whole other ball game when, when they start coming after your kids and making your kids wear masks all day. I mean, our rights were literally being stripped by the hour. And, and I think that that pushed a lot of people a little bit too far. Or making yeah. your children a science experiment, basically. Well, they, they activated the mama bears, you know, because yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see a lot of women have stepped up big time, you know, now the men more so are, you know, really, you know, you know, stepping up and doing what they kind of should have done. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of men are busy working, you know, like, you know, the traditional family men are busy working, providing for the family, the moms are taking care of the children, and they're able to kind of really see and um, pay attention to what's going on. But now, like everyone is activated. You yeah. know? And I and I also think that there's a lot of moms, parents that thought this way even before this and questioned yeah. big pharma and the things that were being done to our children and even the education system. Right. I think this really gave it an opportunity because it made a lot of people speak up and it made a lot of people realize that, hey, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. I'm not the only one that questions this. I'm not the only one, you know, worried about what my kids are learning from school or getting from their pediatrician. It brought a lot of people together. And I think it really awakened a loud majority. Definitely. Because a lot of people did think like this before, like you said, like me, for example, when it came to vaccinations, you know, in general, prior to the COVID-19 vaccine, you're always kind of alone in this battle and you didn't know who, you know, but now everybody, like you said, is, is joining and, and, you know, they're forming groups and, you know, fighting back together. You can't do everything alone. You know, it's. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, my second baby, he, and I, you know, probably like most parents, you just kind of believe what you're told, Yeah. go with it. My second baby, when he got his, went to the pediatrician, got his two month round of vaccines where I think they give you probably four of them. Yeah. The next day, his entire body broke out in hives. Um, yeah. He, it was just crazy. They, he started not tolerating any of the food that I was eating and my pediatrician told me, you know what, you should go ahead and just eat chicken and rice and see if that helps. And I thought, why, why on earth? Like, yeah, he's like, stay away from vegetables. Like that's going to make him gassy. And I was like, so what on earth, you know, and this was probably four years ago and you just kind of listen. And that's when I started doing my own research yep. and you know, you learn a lot about what the CDC is pushing, what big pharma is pushing yep. and it's insane. And I am actually really grateful for everything that's come out the last couple of years, because I do think it's brought a lot of people together and it's made a lot of people wake up. I mean, look at what Candace Owen does on a daily basis. I yeah. think she really becomes such a voice for this, you know, whole issue and people are listening to her and it's not even that people like, it, it doesn't matter what everybody says. The information is there. Like this is yeah. you can go to the CDC. This is public information that's out there. It's factual information. There's no denying it. You know, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's it's ridiculous. And I've been doing this for years too. You know, I, I have um, a relative who was vaccine injured, completely disabled from vaccines. Oh. So I would always try to like wake up people and you know, every friend that I had that was having kids, I was like, no, don't do the shots. You know, and like give them a whole like you know list of like you know what to look at. It's but now it's, it's it's so much easier because people are awake and they are doing their own research and they're not trusting blindly, you know, yep. these professionals, well, and it, which we never so, should have, you know. And it's so interesting now because I even heard during State of the Union, you know, 
COVID is not even a threat anymore, yet they're still talking about these parents that are excited to get their kids under five years old vaccinated for COVID, which is no longer even a threat. And when you look back at CDC data, that's how all of these vaccinations came about. I mean, it it came out when these viruses were not even a problem anymore. People- It was all fear-based BS, you know, just money. It's all about money and experimenting on the people. It's- very evil. But why, I mean, why on earth would you, at this point, I mean, g- give your new bo- newborn a COVID vaccine? No. I, I, Not at all. Or like a hepatitis B vaccine. Are they a drug user? <laughs> or like, are they sexually active? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, just, I'm pretty sure my, my baby's not getting an STD. So. Right. So, yeah. You never it's know. Just a playbook. It's, just- <laughs> it's, it's not Hunter Biden's baby. <laughs> Erica, one of that it's not going to be Hunter Biden's baby. <laughs> there you go. One, one of the biggest things we talk about, you know, in, in this movement right now is, is is the advocacy part and getting involved. As someone who works behind the scenes with, with, with some of the bigger names that are out there, uh, both candidates and you know former administration officials, what are some of the things that you could do to suggest to our listening audience that they might not be doing now, who are who are kind of feeling like they need to get in this fight more? in a present form than uh, just behind a computer screen. Yeah, I mean, well, one, it's crazy because being behind, being behind the computer screen these days, you can you can get pretty far. I mean, be loud, share, share what you're doing, share that out there. Social media is so powerful. I mean, we saw that in 2016. I mean, nobody really, that was the first election where social media really mattered and it still matters, probably even more so. So that's huge, but get involved. I mean, there are so many different, groups and communities that are standing up now. I mean, the school boards, there's, I mean, you've seen, they paint these, the crazy domestic terrorists at the school boards, but there's, you know, young Republicans groups, different campaigns, there's all around you. There's campaigns that you can volunteer for, find the good candidates, research them and get behind them and support them. And, you know, if you can donate to the campaigns, great. And if you can't, donate your time. I mean, they're always looking for volunteers and the way that we're going to change this. I mean, we need to win these elections by such a big number that nobody can do anything about it. I mean, that's the way that we're going to take it. I've, you know, cause I've asked people, you know, if there was so much fraud in 2020, how are we ever going to win an election again? And yep. the responses I get are, we need to win so big that no matter what is done, it doesn't matter. And so, yeah. and vote. I mean, I, people like to vote for presidential candidates, but all of these House seats matter. Your state Senate seats matter. The, you know, the national Senate seats matter. They are very important. And especially right now, I mean, taking back the House and the Senate are the next big things that we need to do. And we, we can't, we can't not, you know, let our guard down on that. It's, it's very important. Yeah, it sure is. Erica, is there any place where uh, our listenership could maybe either follow you or you want to give out some socials for maybe a candidate or two that you're working on so uh, we could direct traffic that way? You know, I, I'm now doing Truth Social, so you can follow me on Truth at Erica Knight. I think um, all of Adam's stuff is just Adam Laxalt if you want to follow that campaign. And uh, I'll post stuff on my – are you guys on Truth yet? Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. That's the, finally got in out of out of limbo. <laughs> 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 somehow, <laughs> you know, somehow they let me get on pretty quickly there and they 
they were trying to reserve me just Erica, but I guess oh. that was picking up pretty quickly. And now I don't get that, but you can, you can find me on Erica Knight and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, I, you know, I don't know how you guys even got me to do this podcast because I don't do a lot of public, you know, speaking myself, but I am going to try to, uh, to use my truth because I think it's important to get these messages out there. And I, you know, we all got to come together and we all got to stand up there. There are a lot of us. And so. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're always talking behind the scenes when we're, you know, trying to coordinate candidates or guests to come on the show. And now look at this, you, you've introduced yourself to our uh, listening audience. And this is the woman who's behind a lot of some of the great guests we have on Steak for Breakfast. She's a political consultant and advisor working now on the Adam Lexalt senatorial campaign. Erica Knight, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, Russia and Ukraine rages on. So raging. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad when I was like breaking this down last night, we don't even have to like necessarily cover anything that has to do with Russia or Ukraine because the whole narrative is just kind of gotten, I don't even know what to call it. We were making we were making fun of Brian Mass the other day because he said groupthink. Yeah, group thinking now deploying a tens. All right, to Bert, the convoy of Russian. I heard somebody. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. Oh, I got them all. Don't worry. No, no, but it was it was after the State of the Union on mm-hmm. on uh, OAN. We got it. Oh, you got that. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about calling for assassinations and stuff. Yeah, That's I don't know. I mean, I, right? miss, I just, but they were talking about like taking over this 70 mile long convoy and they could just take it out with the aircraft. It seems like that's what the establishment on both sides wants to do now. The only, <gasps> yeah, the only way to get through uh, Russia invading Ukraine is to invade the war ourselves and, and in turn initiate the nuclear holocaust that would end the planet. I mean, are we surprised? No. A doomsday people, shroud. people on both sides are panicking and scared shitless so that's why they're like so for all of us who for all (laughs) all of our non-friends out there who call us conspiracy theorists or conservative ink or all those other things somebody called us conservative ink yeah echo chamber or kissing donald trump's ass we've reached the point to where now the only thing that both sides can agree on is militarily and unprovokedly engaging the second largest nuclear power on the planet to stop them from doing whatever they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Right? Give it six months. Well, I'll give you 60 seconds of Kamala Harris Uh, talking about it when she jumped on today, yesterday. Is to go after his oil and gas sector. And some senators agree, Republican and Democrat. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin, for example, mentioned that the U.S. is still currently buying approximately 600,000 barrels of of crude and uh, other petroleum products every single day. Is that on the table? Is that something that the administration would continue, would consider in terms of further sanctions, cutting off the oil and gas uh, part of the economy for Russia? Well, as you know, that on this issue, for example, we applaud Germany in terms of what it has done as it relates to Nord Stream 2, as it relates to what we need to do domestically as well as, as what we need to do in terms of this issue generally. We have, as the president said, uh, reevaluated what we're doing in terms of the strategic oil reserve here in the United States to make sure that it will not have an impact or we can mitigate the impact on the American consumer. Uh, but let's, let's take this one step at a time. 
time understanding that right now on the issue of energy, right now? our allies have stood firm there again. and unified in a way that many of the pundits didn't predict would happen um, to ensure that we are we are unified in our approach to this issue. Well, she's right about one thing. What a stupid son of a bitch. That too. We couldn't have even began to speculate that uh, the pundits and people on both sides of the aisle would unite to hypothesize about what a workable solution to this military engagement and incursion would be. And that's uh, poking the bear when it comes to Russia. Um, her appearance on a couple other shows, including one of the uh, on the hip-hop circuit, did not go unnoticed by Tucky. God, stop. She I thought she was going to do the, the I didn't study for my book report thing again. Well, they did because they asked her to explain Russia and Ukraine situation in, oh. in literally the dumbest way possible. <laughs> and uh, don't worry, she didn't disappoint in this next one. But we knew that once Kamala Harris was involved, it couldn't really be that serious. And we knew that because this is what she's like. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. This whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. I I don't think you guys... And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers. She would look down at me and Kamala, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom. (laughs) You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. With your own eyes, I'm telling you. We must together work together to see where we are. Together. Where we are headed, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together. Uh, what? Mm. T- together? Yeah. My God. Wait, so <laughs> when she was telling the, those kids they were going to see the, the craters of the moon oh, with your wow. own eyes, I'm telling you. Those were the actor kids. Those weren't even NASA. The Canadian children actters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they, um, the audition call sheet, like, you know, like that they send out to agents and stuff. It was, it's just hilarious, man. It, did it say, do you want to see the moon's craters with your own eyes? I'm telling you. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I don't, I, I don't remember that part, but. Ugh. Ugh, yeah, yeah. I, I, my favorite is the, her description of like Ukraine and like its location on the map. <laughs> Wait, what did she say? I didn't hear it. The, oh, yeah. When he told her to explain the, the, the situation geographically for people that don't listen to the news. Yeah. It sounded like you were explaining it to a retarded person. Yeah, it's just by a retarded person. Oh, you're talking about a geography lesson. Well, yeah. don't worry. Got that one, too. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States? So Ukraine is a country oh. in Europe. <laughs> it exists next to another country called oh, Russia. Russia is, to- is a is bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called oh. Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. That's, that's the vice president me of the motherfucking United States, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Well, I mean, they did say in layman's terms. <laughs> a bigger country decided to invade a smaller country who, who lives right next door to them, and guess what? Oh, I'm dizzy. That's wrong. I'm dizzy. Yeah, from choking yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
don't worry. The week got better. Uh, it seemed like, well, better. <laughs> I guess conservative Inc. would double down on. Isn't uh, that us? Yeah. Brian Mass comments. Uh, Sean Hannity took to the radio waves on his nationally syndicated radio show and uh, weighed in on just what he thought we should do with that 40-mile-long convoy of oh, uh, yeah. Russian personnel carriers. What we ought to be focused on is energy and the military. Those are the two things that would matter the most. And we ought to be providing the munitions that are needed, the javelins, the stinger missiles that would be most effective against this Russian army. Now, seems normal. as of this morning, hmm. this 40-mile convoy of of Russian troops and and Russian tanks and munitions and fuel, uh, they're only 18 miles outside of Kiev. And let me tell you, when I look at that, I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is about to become, it's, it's about to go to the next level. Boomer sweats, And I, I pray to God Almighty I'm wrong. And the next level would be a massacre. And the next level would be the toppling of the government of Kiev. The next level will mean thousands upon thousands and likely tens of thousands of people dead and that might be on the low side does he think the country's called that's what i fear the most now now you would think that maybe these european countries would get together and they'd be arming the ukrainians that show that they're willing to fight okay you know if we can see on satellite imagery where the convoy is i don't know maybe some smart country maybe nato might take some of their fighter jets uh, or maybe they can use some drone strikes and take out the whole damn convoy. And then oh. nobody takes credit for it. So then Putin won't know who to hit. Oh. Back. I'm sure that'll end well. nuclear weapons. Hannity, you talk about nuclear war. I'm not talking about nuclear war, nor would I support one American boot on the ground here. You wouldn't have to worry about supporting it. But at it. what point is this going to end? Because nobody did anything after Georgia was taken in 08. Nobody cared about Crimea being annexed in 2014. Hunter Biden did. It's interesting how Donald Trump, Putin did nothing during those years, and I would argue it's because he feared Trump and he believed Trump would do whatever was necessary. <sighs> well, Hannity, thank you. Clown confirmed. <clears throat> uh, I mean, kind of had an idea before, but, you know, unless he's saying this for a certain reason. Ever, ever since he turned his back on Donald Trump after January 6th, he's just gone ridiculously downhill. Well, the talking about an airstrike on this the convoy, or the, yeah, convoy, I guess, uh, he was really trying to say that Russia just wouldn't know who did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, surprise. <laughs> right. Surprise. Would you look at that? Hey, that kind of looks like an A-10. Be honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded. You should have held it because uh, really? he, he wasn't finished. Not only was he going to double down oh, good. on eradicating the convoy, now he was going to start calling for... Leaders of countries to be assassinated. Oh. Something that's not only against the Geneva Convention, but is outlawed everywhere in the universe. Him too? Fuck. Like, and it's no surprise with these three pathetic losers in charge. 
Now, sadly, Ukraine needs our help right now. They need all the javelins, all the Stinger missiles that we can provide. They need bullets. They need guns. They need air defense systems. And they need humanitarian and medical aid. And while we're at it, Vladimir Putin, he needs to go. Mm, He's what? a murdering thug with yeah. nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. committing atrocities in Ukraine, invading a sovereign, innocent country. We see all the images. He is killing children. He is killing women. And he's killing men. And he's trying to take over that country. And now Putin genders. has deployed 400 mercenaries in Ukraine to hunt down, to assassinate President Zelensky. Now, Putin, I've been saying it all week. It's interesting the media finally picked it up. Putin has got to be stopped by whatever means necessary, one way or another. Mm -hmm. It's a simple rule in life. If you invade an innocent country and you kill women and children and men, you forfeit your right to lead a country and you forfeit your right to live. And I hope that people around Vladimir Putin, well, I hope they take action sooner than later. What? Now, currently, the U.S. operates under a decades-old executive order, first signed by President Gerald Ford. It prohibits the U.S. government employees from engaging in political assassination. But my final question tonight is, mm. when it comes to Putin, is it time to now revisit the rule? Uh, my rule I like better. New rule. You invade a sovereign country. You kill innocent men, women, and children. You forfeit your right to run a country, and you forfeit your right to live. It's that simple. Cut off that. Holy shit. All assets deployed. I don't, like, I don't, it's not that simple. That's not the way. No. It's insane because, like, uh, wow, I'm, I'm super shocked. Because I've talked to a lot of people that are Russian and Ukrainian, people that are actually in Kiev and in Russia, the Nazis that Putin talks about are literally like, you know, setting up in civilian locations and Russian commanders are not bombing them because of, you know, innocence being around. The fact that he's saying that Putin is killing, you know, women and children. It, this is insane. This is like pure, pure propaganda. And well, I'm I mean, it, it could very well have happened. You know, I mean, there's yeah, going to be course. friendly, you know, friendly fire and what yeah. uh, collateral damage during war for sure mm -hmm. of course i'm not saying that but what i'm saying is is that that's not what putin is trying to do here no it's not as objective just to oh, you know yeah. decimate the population no 100%. but they're using their own people as human shields and i'm not saying the ukrainian people but the the puppet government and you know the bad people that are running the show there are they don't care about the innocents no at all you know nope. They certainly don't. And there was only one way for uh, Sean Hannity to kind of parlay this one into a win because he took a bunch of shit for saying that stuff on his radio show. Everybody was tearing his ass a new one on Twitter when he went on his show, and he just pushed it all to the center and said, I'm all in. Bring me the architect of the Afghanistan disaster and the person who literally used that country as a test subject for the military-industrial complex, Lindsey Graham, and bring him to me now. Huh. <laughs> How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stoppenberg in the <coughs> Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great service. Mm -hmm. No names, but boy, shut up. <laughs> you know, both of those guys that he mentioned uh, their assassination attempts led to two of the biggest civil wars this planet has ever known.
So, mm-hmm. he, so he has no idea what he's fucking talking about. Mm-hmm. But, but we would all know that because of how awesome he was throughout the course of Afghanistan um, when he was there and doing a whole bunch of stuff. I, I found a good clip from 2016 when him and uh, now deceased former disgraceful Senator John McCain visited the people of Ukraine and uh, talked to them about backing them against Russia all the way. So let's hear that one, just in case everybody forgot it. Your fight is our fight. Hmm. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Hmm. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win, and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. And they had some drinks, so that's a good clip to bring up now. Can't forget so that baby. Long. You know, both sides were dipping in the pot. Mm-hmm. Well, Tucky would like to see uh, if this is the way we're going to go—a new amendment to be drafted in regards to the. Uh, Sean Hannity and Lindsey Graham's of the world making statements like that. I mean, wouldn't be the first time we've had constitutional amendment. Let's call it the Lindsey Graham Amendment. And here's what it would say. Congress shall topple no government until it finishes rebuilding the last government it toppled. And furthermore, talk show generals shall be required to personally visit the battlefield of every war they advocate for. End of amendment. That would have an immediate and positive effect. Let's hope it passes. (laughs) I mean, I, I was going to say, like, you know, it's not like we haven't uh, toppled governments and installed right. smaller regimes. I'm giggling. Political in assassinations. Muammar Gaddafi. Yeah, right? <laughs> Whose son is making a comeback, which is cool. Sons. Oh, Two of them. Oh, I didn't know. I thought I, I only heard about the one. The one was jailed forever. The other was presumed dead. And they're both mm. back. Surprise. Yep. We did a whole segment on that. It was uh, Mike Crispy was with us. I think that was one of the days where you might have been predisposed due to toddler needs. But we did uh, we did a little deep dive on it. We kind of veered off the schedule because uh, they were trying to get onto the bill for the next presidential election. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of Momar. I think it was the uh, MC Hammer suits he used to wear everywhere. You know, he was actually really good to his people, like the, the incentives that he gave to the people of his country. Yep. I forgot like all the exact details, but he would like, he said, you know, for married couples, he would, you know, give a certain amount of money. And if they had children, you know, healthcare, all yep. this stuff, like he actually was really trying to help the people of his country and they did not like that. No, they sure didn't. And and he was, he had a pretty good Relationship with Donald Trump, we talked about the grand tent he set up on the uh, ninth yeah. green at Trump Bedminster and had live animals there as well for all wow. the guests to pet when they came in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully we won't be doing the same thing with our next guest, who's an America First candidate looking to represent Ohio 9 in the midterm elections and has his audio is keying up right now. We'll let him in. 
All right, jumping in with us next today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He's a veteran and a fighter. He's a candidate running in Ohio's 9th District for the U.S. House of Representatives. Jared Majewski, thanks for joining us today on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? Going very good. Been uh, busy as a beaver, I guess you could say. Um, working 9 to 5 and campaigning from uh, you know 5 till... I pass out of exhaustion, but, uh, um, yeah, everything's going pretty good. I can't complain. Can't complain at all. How's the, uh, campaign trail been treating you so far? It's been, it's been good. I mean, um, the, I guess the legacy of, of my, my, uh, run for office has been, um, one that has resonated very strongly with the grassroots folks, the patriotic folks, uh, the America first folks in my district. So, um, it's it's really been you know similar to what it was when I was just acting I guess as a, a staunch conservative. Uh, the only real difference is, is the fact that I'm actually running for office now. So uh, I'm still shaking trees and telling people no because they don't like to hear it. Um, but uh, you know it, it, the the difference is, is my name's on a ballot now. Yeah, there it is. So and there's a lot of uh, trees that need to be shaken and, mm. and people that need to hear that no. We're in we're in such a critical time right now. Which which brings me to my next question. What was it that compelled you to get into uh, the race here? Because, uh, you know, it's it seems like it's more important now than more than ever that uh, these America First candidates need to go and get the pump the brakes on what's going on in Washington, D.C. I mean, there's various reasons. Number one, um, you know, I, I became politically motivated more than ever um, because of covid. Um, traditionally speaking, I work in the nuclear industry and I'm um, commonly traveling the country um, for work and. Yeah, I'm a I'm a titanium member for almost every hotel chain out there. I think I spent 250 days on the road wow. in uh, you know the year before the election, and with COVID, you know that had me at home working from the office that you see me in now. And um, I support a local veterans organization, and that veterans organization had a bet with me, and I lost the bet, and uh, that turned into me painting the world's largest old glory flag on my lawn, and. Uh, and coupling that with uh, the big fireworks show that I do every 4th of July. And then uh, 2020, I lost the bet again, intentionally this time. And uh, that 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 led me into painting the Trump campaign logo. Yep. And, um, you know, I became uh, very supportive of the Republican Party. I actually pushed for the gentleman before me who was running for the seat that I'm running for. And um, watching how he was treated uh, by the establishment here uh, locally and then also watching how he was treated by the state Republican Party and the National Republican Party. Uh, and then, you know, doing everything that I could to, to get local Republicans elected, and as well as, as President Trump. And, um, you know, then supporting um, him throughout the entire January 6th debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to come home and just take a a pause from the grind i mean you know on the fourth of july when i painted my lawn you know getting onto fox news and the whirlwind that came with that i didn't really have a time to take a take a step back and and uh you know adjust to the climate and you know after the election after january 6th that gave me a, a good couple of weeks there to actually take a breather and when i did i realized that you know, i'm tired of all the bullshit yeah and i don't think there's people out there that are running for office that are worth their salt and, you know, people that uh, people like me that have fought for the country, that have actually done something uh, professionally and have accomplished things, you know, we need to get an office and we need to set the tone for what we want our country to be. 
Um, not a bunch of bureaucrats that are looking to further their their position uh, personally. And um, yeah, I'm, I have a really expensive TV and I'm tired of throwing shit at it, <laughs> for, for a lack of better words. <laughs> I definitely feel you on that one. And I'm going to have to say you do probably have the most impressive lawn in the United States, to say the least. Yeah, it's pretty good. Thanks. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So one of the things you mentioned, and it seems to be a recurring theme, we had on three guests last week, or uh, on Tuesday on our Tuesday show. It was uh, Robbie Starbuck, Mike Collins, Joe Kent. They're all in different parts of the country. They're all running grassroots, America first, really uh, populist, nationalist campaign. They're all picking up steam, doing really well in their polls. And for some reason, they're all getting really hard pushback from the establishment GOP either via super PACs or or out of you know from from Ronald McDaniel or or Kevin McCarthy and we can't really wrap our brains around it what you know you said you saw it happen to the previous uh candidate in your district and I'm sure you're probably getting some of it yourself now do you think it's fear do you think it's the the fact that they see the writing on the wall and that their time is short in the beltway what do you think it is and uh has it helped out your campaign like maybe it's helped out theirs? Um, I think it's really a combination of things. I mean, number one, they call it the establishment for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, they've established themselves. They've established a stronghold on our political system. And, you know, it, it, it does have a certain element of fear. Um, but to be honest with you, these folks are so damn arrogant. They don't, they're not really scared of, of anyone. Um, they, they, they feel as if they're in control and they maneuver and, and uh, take actions to ensure that that control is secured. Um, when you have, you know, rabble rousing patriots like myself, like Mike, like Robbie and like Joe, you know, it's not that they're scared of us. They're just scared of what we can do, knowing that we can, you know, easily call upon the uh, people of the country that are supporting us, uh, you know, to, to give us the, the right type, the right kind of a momentum, you know, to break the change that they have over our political system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 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 it it, it's also, um, you know, an element of, of they're, they're looking to hold on to, you know, what what feeds them. I mean, these folks have developed uh, livelihoods off of our political system and their hands are constantly in our pockets. And, you know, they, they just don't want us to know. And um, folks like folks like us are, are are sick and damn tired of it. And, you know, we're the type of folks that you don't want to be politically motivated. We're the type of folks that you want in private business. You want me running nuclear power plants. You want me managing spent nuclear fuel and keeping the country safe. You want Mike out there uh, uh, running a, a very successful logistics company. Mm-hmm. You know, you want Robbie making movies. And um, I don't know much about Joe's professional uh, uh, career other than you know his service to the country. But you know, you want Joe working in whatever professional capacity that that Joe's skilled at because you know the, between the four of us, we're highly skilled contributors to our uh, to this economy and republicans are what make uh, the country work and in, in in many different respects so when we are willing to shut that off and sacrifice i mean every one of the individuals that i just mentioned myself included are looking at significant significant reductions in in our pay and our wealth to do this and we're doing it because we're dedicated we're doing it because we care and we love this country that scares them more than anything that uh, I can think of. Yeah, those are some really good points you make there when you when you kind of lay it out. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you guys' movement right now is getting so much 
you know, steam and, and being so strong, you guys are all starting to lock up with each other too and working with each other, you know, creating like a nationwide network of like these grassroots uh, candidacies and stuff. And I definitely see it just transferring over to D.C. after the midterm elections. I think it's going to be something that's really good. Uh, one of the things I want to touch on, you mentioned a couple times, is your profession. Now we're having some huge issues in the United States regarding like the energy sector. You know, it comes with the fuel, where we're getting it from, um, whether it be the ones that, that go in our cars or natural gas. You know, the, we've, we've essentially had an energy crisis here ever since Donald Trump left the White House. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you're seeing with it right now? And, and what do you think are some real-time solutions we could do to kind of maybe get back on the right track? I know that the, the Biden administration has talked about a new Iran deal and then possibly yeah. buying oil from them, which is probably the worst thing you could do. But uh, what's the way you're looking at it right now? Well, I mean, I think that that there there was a significant power exchange in our nation's energy sector, be it natural gas or nuclear over the past few years. And, you know, that was all um, started under the Biden administration. They were looking to um, transfer money, you know, that was uh, commonly uh, contributed to the Republican Party over to the Democratic Party. And they were looking to do that through renewable energy. Um, It was when I think that they found out that renewable energy wasn't as profitable um, without the government subsidizing it that, um, you know, they started to get more nefarious in, in their power plays. Um, but, you know, you can you can see the classic examples and you, know, you, you can also see um, a pretty clear picture of the fact that these folks that run these these organizations and Tesla is the prime example. You know, uh, when Elon Musk bucks the Democratic Party because of the message and the narrative that's coming from the Biden administration. I mean, that's telling, you know, two years ago, we would all have assumed that Elon Musk was a staunch Democrat. Um, But I think we can all uh, look back in retrospect and realize that, you know, Elon Musk was playing um, neutral publicly because he was looking to broaden, you know, his, his, uh, his, his organization and, you know, get to the true um, desires that he has, which is, you know, getting the human race to Mars. But, you know, I think we've we've failed in in, in many different respects. Uh, number one, we haven't uh, we haven't harnessed nuclear power as uh, and a, or accepted nuclear power as the future uh, for for our, our, our baseload energy here in the in the, in the country. And we need to. Um, if we don't, with new technologies out there, uh, thorium salt, fast gas reactors, all of this advanced reactor technology, if we do not um, embrace this technology, companies like China will. Yeah. And when they do, um, the United States will lose. Um, the United States actually grew on the back of nuclear power. Um, it, it, it propelled us um, through manufacturing. I mean, these power, these manufacturing facilities without nuclear power plants would not have had the energy that they needed uh, to, to grow. And not only in their production, but in their innovations. And um, we need to be the first country out there embracing uh, advanced advanced reactor technology and, and it doesn't look like we're going to be there mm-hmm. um, but the innovation comes from us and France has capitalized on it and we see uh, what happens when you do the polar opposite uh, when you look at Germany and uh, you know with Germany getting rid of their entire nuclear fleet they've become utterly dependent upon Russia and Russia now has the ability to turn off the switch and c- cut off their natural gas uh, pipeline and that leaves Germany without not only any power, but really without the ability to, to maintain and sustain their national defense. So 
I think we need, as a country, we need to embrace nuclear power and natural gas uh, to supply our baseload. We need to remove the government's intervention uh, in the energy sector. And if if renewable energies cannot function and cannot be, be profitable without taxpayer subsidies, then they have no business in the marketplace. What do you think uh, is one of the main reasons why uh, we're not embracing nuclear power? I mean, is it is it the old uh, technology that people are afraid of, like the Chernobyl incident and stuff like that? And that's really not a rational thing anymore because it's been so advanced the way that the technology is now, correct? Yeah, I mean, but it, it kind of, sort of. I mean, you could still deploy a uh, RMBK reactor that they've used in Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl. What it what it really boils down to is that is the United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission has a heck of a, a, a stronger standard when it comes to um, uh, defense in depth mm-hmm. uh, and, and the protection of the public from uh, a, a radiological release. And Russia doesn't have that. For example, here in the U.S., you have three forms of containment. You have the reactor vessel, you have the containment uh, boundary, and then you have you know the steel vessel boundary, and then you have the concrete boundary. So in Russia, you don't have that. Um, you just had essentially the reactor head and then um, you know a, a sheet steel roof which is how we saw the uh you know the 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 big explosion in the release in the united states that could not have happened it's physically impossible um but really when you look at the i would say the the fundamental issues it's that um nuclear power and nuclear power producers and licensees across the country have been so used to a regulated market where american people have been used to coming home and turning their lights on and so long as the American people want to do that, uh, nuclear power has been the only, uh, essentially the only mass provider of baseload power. Mm-hmm. And they have never had competition. And when, you know, the former administrations, not Trump, but before him, you know, when they looked at the energy exchange and transfer and fracking became um, a new potential as, as well as renewable energy, you know, those those energy sources, those providers started undercutting the market. And when they undercut the market, they can sell their power at a much cheaper rate mm-hmm. because they're not hyper regulated. And when they're not hyper regulated, they're not penalized. And when a nuclear power plant commits to putting a megawatt on the grid, if they don't put that megawatt on the grid, they're responsible for that megawatt. I can't say that uh, with with uh, cold, hard confidence that that occurs across the country with natural gas. And so there's a Wall Street uh, effect that has happened, you know, at the uh, at the grid market, and that has put these nuclear power plants at a disadvantage. Now, the nuclear power plants and the providers could have done themselves a better service and been more forward-looking with respect to their marketing and public awareness. Um, I can look out my office window right now and see the power plant that I spent the first 15 years of my career at, and. You know, when they passed out iodine pills a couple of weeks back, the public around here was freaking out because they haven't done that in a quite a few years. And, you know, the public thinks we're embracing for a radiological release when, it, when in reality, the power plant is just, you know, um, staying true to their commitment um, to the state government that they're going to protect the public. And so the nuclear power plants owe themselves and the public a, uh, a very costly and effective uh, marketing uh, platform to where they're reaching out to the public and and telling them exactly what nuclear power is, how safe it really is, 
and how beneficial it is to not only sustaining our livelihoods, but our national defense. And uh, until we have a system that that propels them to do that, and it's actually cost effective for them to do that, they're not worried about, you know, putting a megawatt out in, in, in competition with natural gas. You know, we're going to continue with a public that looks at the cooling tower and, uh, you know, uh, cooling towers across the nation and think that the steam coming out of there is actually um, carbon waste. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, yeah, it's the most green potential energy that we could possibly use. Yeah, 100%. Europe's backed themselves into a corner, especially Germany, that whole, you know, green, whatever they've got going on over there. And, 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 you know, we've started to see it a little bit in the United States. I was pretty disappointed to see that, that big uh, nuclear plant in Florida a couple weeks ago announced it's going to be closing down. I know San Onofre out here in California over the last five to ten years has closed down. And then I grew up in a power plant town, the Oyster Creek nuclear facility in New Jersey uh, closed down about five years ago. So, you know, I, I don't like to see that stuff because the alternative is, first of all, it's not proven. It's not – it's way more costly. And then, you know, it's just – there are so many reasons and, and examples we've seen it's not able to put out the most or, or, or even comparable energy to, you know, when power plants are, are, are doing their thing. JR, I wanted to ask you another thing. What do you think right now is the biggest issue – in Ohio nine right now, uh, the one that that mostly affects the the blue collar men and women and their families uh, that you're making part of your campaign platform. I mean, I look at I look at the issues here in Ohio nine in in um, kind of like a delineation, uh, a delineated concept. I look at national issues and I look at state local, um, and some of them, you know, they 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 transcend you know um, across to one another. Um, but realistically, I think our our fundamental issue here in Ohio nine is that we have not had a true representative um, in this district in the entire 42 years that I've been on the planet. Um, Marcy Captor has been a special interest, uh, fair weather legislator, um, far left progressive who um, caters to her uh, major donor base and cheerleads for the average people, but has absolutely no concept of the trials and tribulations that, that they experience on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you know, without, I mean, I go to other areas. I talk to other people. I've lived in other places in, in, in my life. And I can tell you that representatives across the state behave uh, entirely different. For example, if you go to Jim Jordan's district, you can find Jim Jordan. You can call his office and they will tell you where he is. And if it's not in if it's not in D.C. because Congress is in session, it's somewhere in the district. And he is commonly available. Um, you don't have to filter through. Uh, you know, it's not like you're calling um, AOL and getting a bunch of foreign operators. You're actually getting through to his staff and um, he, he's he's highly receptive to you here in Toledo. Or in the ninth district, if you were to make a phone call to Marcy Captor, you're passed on to five people. Um, they the, the, there's a litmus to see if you're a major donor or if you're a, if you're an influencer. And if you don't meet those marks, you're commonly given uh, or asked for your email address, and then you're giving a uh, boilerplate response. And I think that is the um, the most uh, immediate need here in Ohio in in this district because. We just don't know what it's like to truly be represented. We don't know what it's like to have our voice heard in D.C. I mean, plain and simple. But you get to, you know, issues that that are impounded by that or or, or uh, affected by that. You look at Toledo being 
an area that was once one of the largest cities in the United States. Yeah. And we now have a 26.5% poverty rate. That means like one in four people in Toledo are in poverty. And Marcy Captor is, you know, uh, virtue signaling with her little Ukraine flag falling asleep at the State of the Union address. But, you know, damn it, she's harder to find than Carmen San Diego. And <laughs> yeah. that needs to change. And uh, I give out my phone number at every campaign event that I that I go to. And, you know, when I painted my lawn and my social media bubbled up to hundred and some thousand followers, you cannot find an individual on Twitter or Facebook that has tried to find that has contacted me and taken the time out to write me a message that I haven't responded to. And it's servant leadership at its core. That's what we need. We need to um, we need to take advantage of our lakefront here. We need to bring jobs back. Yep. We need to stop catering to big businesses and we need to uh, make it more uh, comprehensive to small business entrepreneurs that want to start small businesses. We need to de-redline our communities and we need to actually accept minorities into um, the business stream that we have here. Um, we can't stick them out on the fringes and then um, you know, put them on our shoulders when we want to vote. We actually have to work for these folks because they mean something. And uh, we will get paid back in dividends if if we um, take a communal approach that the Democrats pretend that they have and actually develop a, a, a message and develop a, a set of milestones and achievable goals that we want this district to, uh, uh, to make. And we just haven't had anyone that has the capacity to do so. And I'm that guy. Yeah, it seems like there's a... A lot of you guys rising up to the top right now and stepping up for your communities and for your districts and, and really campaigning on the platform and and the issues that, you know, individually affect all of your guys' districts across the country. And, you know, you're one of the ones who have just been out there amazingly doing such a strong job. In addition to that, you have a really based social media. I mean, you, you go out there and call it like it is on Twitter. You don't have, make no bones about it. And uh, yeah, definitely good to hear someone that's like, you know, Working directly with like the nuclear energy in our country could go out and like shit post a little bit on the internet. I think it makes for uh, a perfect blend of of uh, America First candidate. I am who I am, and uh, you know, um, my campaign people are going to hate me when I say this, but you know, as a as an American, as a white American male, you only have two things, and uh, that's your balls and your word. <laughs> and you can have my word, but I'm keeping the other side. And, you know, that that's my motto. And uh, nobody's going to take that away from me. Um, and as much as people don't like to hear it, look, I, people will say to me all the time, you're a little bit like President Trump was. And I am, but I'm also a lot different than him. And uh, the difference that you'll see between me and other folks is I'm not trying to emulate him. This is just me. And I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to look. I'm chubby. I don't look that fantastic in a suit. <laughs> Um, COVID's put a lot of weight on me, but I can hit the gym and, uh, look a little bit better in a suit, but you can't fix stupid. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not trying to emulate Trump, but that was the reason why he was so popular is that there were so many people like you, like us who felt represented by him because he was like us. He had the same opinions. He wanted the country to be great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Imagine Absolutely. That. It's not a bad thing, right? No. JR, this has been awesome getting to sit down and, and know you a little bit today one-on-one. -on -one, we are extremely thankful for you taking time out of your busy schedule to to join us. And, of course, at some point between now and the uh, 
election, we'd love to have you back. Can you tell our listenership we want to get as many people as we can listening to the show out to support you, whether it's knocking on doors, sharing social medias, or donating to your campaign, where they could find you? Sure. You can find my website at J-R-M-A-J-E-W-S-K-I, the number four, congress.com. I'm on all of your social medias. I actually was one of the beta guys on Truth Social. So um, you type in a combination of either J.R. Majewski or J.R. Majewski for Congress and you'll find me. And we will live link them in the show description uh, today. And uh, like I said, of course, we're going to ask to have you back at some point in the near future. This is the America First candidate running to represent Ohio 9 in the 2022 midterm elections. J.R. Majewski, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, guys. And Roger Stone did nothing wrong. Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was better than awesome. Yeah. And uh, we got a little extracurricular lesson in uh, nuclear everything. I think we should have him back for a nuclear show. Yeah, let's let's let him get over the finish line and be the next representative of Ohio 9 first. Then we'll have him back and we can ask him if he could wear a lab coat or something. Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Black leather gloves. There you go. You know what's not cool? What? Is that even though it's gone forever, it's still here. You know what I'm talking about? The time? Close. Is the time now? Get an update on where you are. I mean, it seems like there's a bunch of riders still outstanding. And furthermore, on the $22.5 billion in COVID money, Republicans are balking at that. How do you... How do you see? How do you see the state of play? Well, the appropriators will are, will be negotiating will be all of this. Uh, the fact is, the twenty-two billion dollars for COVID is absolutely necessary. In <sighs> fact, we we'll probably will need more oh, as we that uh, need more uh, therapies. The, I thought COVID was this, over. One of the per, I, well, one of the at, pieces of this is it. to buy okay. the pills that will be. You, you you get a sign. You take the pill. It's no longer about something being a sub-freezing temperature, only huh? um, having a shelf life of a certain amount of day. This is science. This is going forward. She's talking so about I would hope that they would see uh, the wisdom of the science of what we need to do in terms science. of COVID. Because what we, the last thing we need is more transmission. Transmission is where variants huh? are created. What? A new variant is a new challenge. So let's do as much prevention or early intervention as we can. <gasps> and I how would dare hope you say that? that. They, now, how they pay for it and this or that, that's that's a negotiation there. And and what was the other part? It's not going to be free like all <laughs> the other <laughs> stuff? <laughs> Pushing that out as a separate vote, and then how do you plan on handling the Ukraine money? Well, at the present time, the fastest way for us to get the Ukraine money is for us to have it. On the, um, yeah. uh, this legislation, so we'd hope that we can just come to agreement to putting it forth. And it's mm. about again humanitarian assistance. It's oh, about of course. we got to find the pallet. security assistance, and it's about economic assistance for them. So oh. it's a, it's mm. very important. Mm. And this is the legislative process. We mm. will. The, the, uh, I'm an appropriator. Both so, microphones. You know, I'm always <laughs> trusting that left to their own devices, the appropriators, Democrats, Republicans, House and Senate understand the urgency of uh, meeting the needs of the American people as we keep government open. Stop it. And, and in this case, we have a pandemic to address no. and the challenge that we face in Ukraine. And hopefully that will now that will be Ukraine and COVID will be emergency. No. It will be emergency. They won't be part of the. Uh, the regular um, budget caps and all oh, this. Yes, ma'am. 
Well, what a clusterfuck. I know. It's, she's like, basically, she's like, we're still trying to figure out how to divide this evenly between all of us. Yeah, that's the start of the reprioritizing after the fallout from the State of the Union address. Mercy. Wait, what's the matter? You didn't like it? Uh, COVID and uh, the Ukraine uh, and climate change. And, uh... It sounds like she's on, like, cocaine. Because, like, I've never done it in my entire life, but, like, I lived in Hollywood and I've seen people do it many times. And the way that they would act, they would just like be like, uh, 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 she's 82 uh, years old. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel the like she'd only, be. The only thing that might like sober her up is like doing chomping on those like, dentures a, a little lines. harder. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, it's probably what just happened right now. <laughs> well, how do you think Joe Biden got through the whole speech? <laughs> I know, right? Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stop it. I went skiing. Ugh. These people. <laughs> <laughs> After being not too happy with her, you uh, boys like the State of the Union. <laughs> <laughs> After not being too happy with her <laughs> international geography lesson on Ukraine and Russia, they uh, asked Kamal Harris if she could go out and speak briefly on the uh, state of the economy. <laughs> and she can't go. <laughs> skyrocketing gas prices. Well, this is an economy that's. Next to another economy. That's the thing. You want to hear talk about on the left. The, rephrase the question and try to talk yeah. like Barack Obama. Here we go. Well, you see. Let's talk about high priorities when it comes to inflation. The new CBS poll found yeah. 70% of Americans disapprove of the administration's handling of inflation. More. What do you say to those people who say gas prices are just too high? I can't get peanut butter. Everything costs more. What? What are you going to do? Listen, people are struggling, especially working people, in terms of the, the price of gas and food. And, and the, the reasons include what we need to do to address what happened through, through the pandemic in terms of supply chain issues, um, which was a reduction of the availability of goods. And so the prices went up. We also need to them. deal with one of the biggest issues, which is the cost of living. It's too expensive for working families. The supply chain issues from reducing, oh, I don't know, the ability of truckers to deliver your shit. Exactly. By reducing the amount of truckers available and trucks. Regulations on owner-operators and their businesses. Well, we know how much this uh, issue going on between Russia and Ukraine is costing the American families at the grocery stores, gas pumps, etc., there's been a big push from the conservatives to maybe revisit things like the Keystone Pipeline or the other 11 ones that were stopped construction of when Biden took over and wrote executive Yeah, you remember when we were about to start selling additional power because we had too much of it? Mm-hmm. And now we're just like, guess what? Now it's going to cost you $140 to fill up your tank. Yeah. Gen it's ridiculous, but everybody's, you know, I think that this is like... If anything, it's exposing these people because it's get it just gets more ridiculous every single day. And if people are not waking up and realizing and seeing how much they've been bullshitting us from the beginning of time, I, I don't even know what to say anymore well, at this it's point. It's just amazing when you actually run across one of these true believers where everything's fine. Right. It's, it's fucking it's crazy. wild. You're just like, really? Mm-hmm. Did you really just say that with a straight face? Like, wait, you're not joking? And they immediately try to gauge just how racist you are because you challenged yeah. Yeah. The, their fineness with everything. <laughs> it's so true, though. It is. 
It's so true. No, it's like I had, uh, you know, um, every once in a while I'll go on a little spurt of posting things on my personal social media. And, you know, every once in a while you just get somebody that just rails against something that I posted. It's not, I'm not even posting stuff that's like too off the wall. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, my responses to the things that they say, you know, I'm not saying that I'm super well thought out. Obviously, some of the shit that I say on here freaking can't string a, a sentence together sometimes. But, you know, I reply to them in a respectful manner. And then, you know, after everything's like, hey, man, like, you know, if, you know, the last one was, if we're just going to start trusting the government now just because then we've got a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And the guy basically was just like, like, I think it was something about Trump. And he's just like, well, fuck Donald Trump and butt fuck Biden. And that was the end of the conversation. It's like, oh, very succinct. <laughs> very perfect. It's perfect. It's just, right. it's just like you got nothing. You didn't nothing. expect me to not just fly off the handle because everybody on your side that's the next, hey, you're a fucking racist, and just go f- absolutely buck wild if if anything is is brought up that's against your narrative. And I'm just right. like, well, you know, I'm, I'd be willing to talk to you about it and this, this, and this, and this point, and valid response A and B, and then... That's the thing. Well, fuck, fuck everybody then. Okay. That's the, that, that's the thing. You know, they expect, so they, they want, they, they say whatever they say to you, right? They expect you to be instantly triggered and come at them with some some bullshit right like that they've been fed from the media and what they've been told we are like Mm -hmm. and when we respond to them in a normal you you know civilized way they they like start short-circuiting they're like they freak out and then that's what their reaction is every time and i love it because i've done it so many times and they just it it kills them it it literally like destroys them well, it's like and, you, you post something about like January 6th and, and, oh, you're, God forbid. and you're like, and you respond or they bring it up and you respond with, well, you mean the insurrection where nobody's being charged with insurrection and basically yeah. everybody's just being hit with misdemeanors. And then they post like the, uh, the oath keeper guy that's getting charged with not, <laughs> not sedition, but something else. And I'm like, all right, well, yeah, that's a valid point, but we'll see if it actually sticks because, you know, they tried to impeach trump on being a russian bot basically so how'd that work out yeah he agreed to uh the sedition charge but it was charge two which actually isn't sedition yeah it's so, just a clever way of making it sedition but not sedition yeah so now they Seditious? Start saying like oh see he he yeah pled guilty to that so now donald trump definitely definitely started insurrection and and they're trying to spin that whole bullshit off of him yeah we but, need to get a some somebody that's like really good like legal analysis oh, just we're gonna to, have him on on uh friday oh there we go or, or i'm sorry yeah next for, or uh, uh tuesday amir bento constitutional lawyer oh well there you go contributor for newsmax we can talk about all these things and we will we'll get in the weeds remember you're talking you're giving commentary on the same people right now who are calling for a u.s manned no-fly zone in ukraine like that wouldn't end Disastrously. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? It would be nuketacular. Like every single military exercise or operation with another military flying in close proximity, like it always ends with some sort of fuck up that escalates things. Only a bad. Yeah. So I'm not citing a, sp- a particular example of that, but mm. it seems like a bad idea. Definitely does. Circling back to uh, and piggybacking off of Kamal Harris' comments on gas or lack thereof, Jen Psaki took time running circles around the press pool when asked about if only the world could run on Kamala's neck. 
<laughs> be very treacherous. Um, on gas, you, you just said that you know less supply raises prices. It's not in our strategic interest to raise prices. Supply. We also know, you know, the president as recently as yesterday talked about increasing domestic manufacturing to bring down prices on uh, inflated items like goods. So why not apply the same logic to energy and increase? domestic production here. How dare you? Well, there are 9,000 approved oil leases that the oil companies are not tapping into currently, so I would ask them that question. Is there nothing that the administration can do to get those providers back to pre-pandemic levels? Do you think the oil companies don't have enough money to drill on the places that have been pre-approved? Just asking. I would I would point that question to them, and we can talk about it more tomorrow when you learn more. Do you think that opening the Keystone Pipeline and having more energy-friendly policies might do that? The Keystone Pipeline has never been operational. It would take years for that to have any impact. I know a number of members of Congress have suggested that, but that is a proposed solution that has no relationship or would have no impact on what the problem is. We hear all agree is an issue. So during that those years where it would you know take to bring down prices, as you're saying, we should just continue to buy Russian oil? Well, again, Jackie, I think you're familiar with a number of steps we've taken, a historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Wow, Jackie, what a big well, we can, well, let me finish. What we can do over time, and what this is all a reminder of in the President's view, is our need to reduce our reliance on oil. The Europeans need to do that. We need to do that. If we do more to invest in clean energy, more to invest in other sources of, of energy, that's exactly what we can do to prevent this uh, from happening in the future. We welcome any Republicans from joining us in that effort. As Go ahead. As long as we're buying Russian oil, though? Aren't we financing the war? Well, Jackie, yes. again, uh, it's only about 10 percent of what we're importing. Uh, I've not made any announcement about any decision on that front, but our objective here so in our focus is making war. sure that any step we take maximizes the impact on President Putin and minimizes it on the American people. And anyone who's calling for uh, an end to the carve-out uh, should be clear that that would rise, raise prices. Go ahead. We're, we're buying 23 million barrels a month so the the keystone pipeline would take several years to to make any dent in the problems that we're seeing right now just imagine if the entire last year the keystone pipeline was being produced because it was it was about 11 months away from operational yeah in some context that would be directly making us somewhat more independent and we're now 14 months into this administration um, but that's not really that's not the give there because she didn't want to say it. The give is how much money we're giving to Russia to finance the war. That's true, but it's 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 bigger than that. Um, we're not going to do anything overtly that goes against the green agenda because listen, of all those radical progressive policies that he said he was like, canceling student debt, defunding the police, they're the op- opening the border, refugees everywhere. They're already walking that shit back on like a minute by minute basis. Oh, it's a massive scale that they're just backing down from all these virtue signaling bullshit that they're spouting constantly. Mayor Pete took off the tit feeder to uh mm. say what everybody was thinking. Does this tit feeder have handlebars? Mm president possibly consider authorizing the Keystone Pipeline, uh, working something out with Iran? I mean, uh, look, the, the president has said that all options are on the table, but we also need to make sure that uh, uh, we're not galloping after permanent solutions to immediate short-term problems where uh, more strategic and tactical actions in the short term can make a difference. Wait, 
you, you don't want to be permanently energy independent? No. Because that goes against everything that's green. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing with becoming green. It doesn't matter how green we become. We become Germany, essentially, eventually. Well, unless we want, or unless we start holding these countries accountable who are the exact antithesis of green. China, India, and Russia. When it's China and it's Russia who are basically our, our enemies on the forefront, whether or not we are friendly with them or not, they're like... China's goal is to overtake the United States by like 2045 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what the date is. No, you're is. about right. It's in 2040. So they're actively planning our demise yep. while we're selling ourselves to them by buying all of our technology, not producing any of the chips that we would need to even be a fighting force. Mm-hmm. It's just idiotic. We we have in order to become green, we have to first become energy independent. Yes, and if that means that we've got pipelines going, you cannot sacrifice the strength of your country for an ideology that will bankrupt and basically sink the country. Yes, it's fucking garbage. I don't understand. Like, what is the motivation for you to? I mean, unless you're just thinking today, I'm making money today. And there's a lot of people that are like that, a lot of businesses that are like that. They're going to ship all their jobs over to foreign countries. They're going to purchase all their stuff. Like, I mean, if you look at some of the products that we have, it's like, what, seriously, we can't make that here? Right. And a lot of the times, no, we can't. Once once something gets shipped over to China for production, it becomes obsolete here. We we will never make some of these pro- some of these products again. I've heard that reference in uh, in in regards to stuff like microchips and certain processors yeah. and stuff like that. Well, it seems like we've put ourselves in kind of a bind with all this stuff. Um, I definitely think the Russia Ukraine narrative kind of is letting a lot of people true colors shining through. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty scary. Yeah, very much so. And that's right. not. And total disregard. I want to kind of, in our last audio clip of the day, before we jump in with uh, Mark Avagno, who's who's waiting to jump in right now on audio, uh, play our last clip and kind of let you guys hear where we're at because we keep talking about it. We keep giving you guys warnings to get active, get involved, support these campaigns, call out the rhinos, call out Kevin McCarthy when he's funneling money into campaigns against Joe Kent. Call out even Donald Trump when he's not should automatically be endorsing candidates like Anthony Sabatini or the establishment GOP, Ronald McDaniel, and they're putting Vernon Jones in races and, and Morgan Ortegas in races and, you know, giving up on the Senate seats in, in Pennsylvania and uh, Ohio because we can't find true America first candidates to run there. Don't think that they're not listening. Here's Turtle Mitch in a soundbite I thought was extremely interesting I heard yesterday. If we're fortunate enough to have the majority next year, I'll be the majority leader. I'll decide in consultation with my members what to put on the floor. And let me tell you what would not be a part of our agenda. Cartoon Turtles. We will not have as part of our agenda a bill that raises taxes on half the American people. Nobody cares. And sunsets Social Security and Medicare within five years. That will not be part of a Republican Senate majority agenda. 
We will focus instead on what the American people are concerned about. Inflation, energy, defense, the border, and crime. And you not being the Senate Majority Leader ever fucking again. Garbage pile. But... That's the stuff they're positioning themselves to do. And I'm telling you, a 51-49 Senate does not give us the political capital to stop Mitch McConnell from becoming the Senate Majority Leader. We need 54, 55, 56 seats, and we have the ability to do it. I just wish that the right people would listening would start getting motivated about some of these races. Because, like I said, the House, I think we're going to have an overwhelming, successful number of people get in there. Hopefully it's 100 like people like Steve Bannon and, and, and Boris, you know, they, they're always saying 100 seats for 100 years. That'd be awesome. 70 would also be awesome. A lot of, you know, with an overwhelming majority being America first, we get new people on committees, change the leadership, stop Kevin McCarthy from being, you know, the uh, the House, uh, the Speaker of the House. And then, you know, in the Senate, we, we, we just, we need somebody different. He's done it so long and so wrong. Uh, it's just... What are you going to be getting? You're going to get people who are so deep-rootedly connected to stymieing uh, what would be the next Trump presidency. You know, I just want it to be like we get Lindsey Graham out of or uh, Mitch McConnell out of there in this one, and Kevin McCarthy out of there in this one, and then Mitch McConnell's not going to win his next election in his state, 100. percent Yeah, Donald Trump's going to find somebody to primary him, and you know he's at an age now where he just needs to go away anyways. No, he's probably set for life anyway with all the bullshit money that he's gotten from. China benefiting off the backs of the American workers yeah, and him and his wife have they laundered so much money from China and stuff over the years. It's just disgusting, but you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get cheered up by our next guest. Who's, uh, you know, working in the grassroots movements and getting people involved in these races and stuff right now. And as Mark's audio is keying up, we'll let him in. All right. Coming in last with us today on this Friday edition of steak for breakfast. He is the executive director of Republicans for national renewal. And we're glad to be able to sit down and have a conversation with him today. Marco Vagno, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going on your end? Uh, I would say going well, but I'm in Texas and uh, we just had the primary elections. So still trying to uh, recover from that. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about the midterms. But before we do, why don't you uh, introduce our listening audience to just exactly what you guys do at the, uh, with the Republicans for National Renewal? Sure. So uh, Republicans for National Renewal, or RNR for short, uh, is a political nonprofit dedicated to pushing the Republican Party away from the America last establishment and more towards the America first grassroots. And so that means taking over the Republican Party from the grassroots level up. So at the local, state and federal level, and that way we can kind of build that infrastructure or that party network so that when there is a Trump 2024 or a DeSantis 2024, they have that infrastructure to help effectuate their agenda, as opposed to being thwarted every turn, as President Trump was during his first term. Uh, we basically want to kind of renew the Republican Party, make people proud to vote Republican instead of the situation right now in all over the country where you go in there and you say, well, I'll vote Republican because they're not a radical leftist, but I'm not too happy to vote for this Republican. We want people to be proud to vote Republican. So we're trying to basically transform the party in the infrastructure, but also get those right America first patriots into Congress to help effectuate the national populist agenda that President Trump introduced to us in 2016. Yeah, I definitely like the sound of that, and I think our listenership does too. Now, how do you feel 
the current state. I think we're going through some growing pains. Obviously, there was a huge fallout after the 2020 presidential election year. Take on it could be whatever it is. We have ours on this show. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things where we saw kind of a, a spring of new America first, grassroots driven uh, Republicans getting into these races. I do see a little bit of like watering down as we're starting to get into the primaries now. And if the ones who are probably seem the strongest and, and most likely line up with like the ideological views of you guys, uh, they're getting a big pushback from the establishment, whether it be like other candidates inserted into their races or lack of attention in races where there maybe isn't an America first uh, candidate. You know, I, I've got some, some Senate ones we were just talking about earlier in the show, uh, like Ohio and Pennsylvania, where we just don't have, where it seems like we're just going to, you know, give up two Senate seats. And then, uh, a lot of uh, people that are already in the beltways, the McCarthy's of the world, et cetera, funneling money into CPACs to kind of sabotage America first candidacies across the country. How do you think the movement's gone so far in kind of re- reinvigorating America first and that populist nationalist movement? And, and then what do you think the reasons are that it's getting such a big pushback? Yeah, so I've noticed that, too. I've noticed that um, it kind of seems like the thing to be for every Republican candidate is to say they're America first, they're for the people, they're not part of the establishment. And I think the uh, current establishment or the elitist, whatever you want to call them, they've dumped millions of dollars into a lot of elections. They've propped up their own candidates. A lot of these people don't have a voting record, so it's tougher to vet them. Mm -hmm. And so when you're wondering where do they stand, well, they're saying all the right things. How do you know they're going to stick to it once they're elected? Well, you don't really know because they're new. Um, So we have noticed that a lot. Um, we endorse quite a few candidates. Many of them have been on your show. Yep. Um, and typically we'll look, we'll, uh, do an interview of them. Um, we'll have them also put things in writing so that once they are elected, if they do, uh, renege on those things, they promised, we'll call them out, you know, we'll retract the endorsement, whatever it is, we'll try to hold them accountable in some way. Um, but yeah, I have noticed that I don't think it's so much a problem with whether or not the Republicans, Republicans are going to win. In the midterms, I think it's just a matter of who is going to be there in the midterms. And I think I've seen quite a few establishment candidates who are kind of portraying themselves as uh, grassroots, America first. But we do have also a good a good amount of candidates who are those MAGA populists. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I know, uh, like I said, in Texas, it hasn't come out as well as we would have hoped. Um, obviously, it's going to be a very strong Republican win. But is it really a Republican win when half of those Republicans are rhinos and in line with the Democrats? I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, it's just funny to see that, you know, some of these uh, primaries are starting to thin out the herd. And like I said, some of the candidates, you know, we're starting to get more consistent polling now that we're we're actually into the midterm election season where we're just a few short months away before people are going to be heading to the ballot box and the generals. And then the primaries are going to start popping off, you know, almost every few weeks now in state by state. Um, what do you what do you think uh, moving forward uh, was the story in Texas? You know, you said you're kind of recouping from the primary that just ended there. They had early voting. And uh, what's the kind of fallout there? So uh, it's there's good and bad. So the good is that we saw I think the stats were that more Republicans came out to vote in the primary than there were people voting in the general last year. So very good sign. People are frustrated and they're going to the polls. Bad thing is that people were going there uh, not doing a whole lot of research. And we had, I mean, a lot of these races had about, you know, anywhere from four to eight candidates. Yep. And so if you're an average person and you're not following politics, you go in there, you look at all these names, 
it's a little overwhelming, and then you vote for the one that's familiar. And it turns out that the familiar one is usually the establishment. So George P. Bush. Yes. Uh, you got Luttrell on there. Uh, Dan Crenshaw, or as I call him, Dan Crenshaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, these people, they're getting these votes because of their name familiarity as opposed to their policies. Um, because Republicans are told you should be upset. They're not happy with the Biden administration, but they're going there and voting for the wrong people. So, right. like I said, uh, pros and cons. Um, Republicans will win, but we'll see which Republicans. Right. Yeah, you guys did get a couple solid candidates across the finish line, though. I mean, I know they say a lot of the Trump-endorsed ones did it. He says 32 or 33 of them, but we all know how that goes. We've had several on our show who aren't Trump-endorsed, who are way more America first than the establishment pick that the people around Donald Trump are telling him you know, to yeah, endorse. So, it, Unfortunately, Abbott was Trump-endorsed, and yes. he won. So Trump was right on that one. Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe, but he was right on that one. And, and it's one of those things. He's probably the most, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think he's America first, but he's definitely the most reactionary governor in the entire country when – I say that I mean when he thinks Donald Trump is going to react negatively to something that's going on in Texas, he'll get yeah. he'll he'll pretend like he's getting ahead of it, but it's after it's already a disaster down there. Exactly. Yep. So we'll just have to see moving forward where that goes. What are some of the big races you guys are uh, dialed into nationally right now? So I would say um, Florida, uh, Anthony Sabatini. I mean, he's a firebrand. Yeah, he's all over the place. He's high energy. I know he's been on your show. Yeah. Uh, I think people have told me it's not really an R and R event unless Sabatini is there because we've done so many <laughs> events in Orlando so far, and he's been at every single one of them as a guest speaker. Um, I think his is very exciting. Um, Mike Collins out of Georgia also is a pretty good one. I know he mm-hmm. was on your show. Um, he's great. I mean, the whole trucker thing is fantastic. People are really sympathizing with the truckers and the trucker convoy right now going towards DC. And so I think he has a lot of momentum on his side. Um, I know Joe Kenton, Washington, was primarying uh, Jimmy Butler, who uh, voted for the January 6th commission. So he has a lot of momentum as well. Um, I think that's a pretty big one. Um, And so there's a lot of a lot of excitement in the grassroots. Uh, Granted that even half of these people win, I think you're going to see big changes in Congress. Yeah. Do you see the sweeping numbers with the way the the administration's handling pretty much everything from you know, uh, geopolitics all the way down to the economy and, and how much of the uh, negative things have affected the blue collar men and women in this country. Do you see, do you see huge sweeping numbers like maybe people like Bannon and somebody are teasing, or do you see it's going to probably be like maybe 60, 70 in the house and like two or three Senate? What's, what's your forecast? Yeah, I think huge sweeping numbers of Republicans, whether they're rhinos or not. Um, I think even Democrats, uh, just even from people I've heard from, who are Democrats, they're not very happy with it. So they're probably not going to show up to vote. Uh, there's a lot of Democrats who aren't even running for election again. Right. Um, I think, uh, especially with the, here in the South, at least, you have the invasion at the border and that's being completely ignored, uh, which I thought would be a little worse from Abbott. I guess he, he did okay in the polls, but um, either way, people are not satisfied with that. This administration is not only ignoring that invasion at the border, they're facilitating it. Uh, they're shipping illegals out across the country. I know Florida's fighting back against that. So I think uh, a lot of regular folks who are being affected by it and saying, well, what's, why is Biden over here uh, dealing with Ukraine when we have so many problems here? And this is also working class Democrats to the extent they still exist. I think they feel the same way. So uh, there is going to be a big red wave. We're just 
really working hard to push that big red wave more towards national populism and away from the establishment. Yeah, 100%. I definitely think that's the direction we need to get back to. And when you look at how America lasts, this administration has been everything from the empty shelves to the gas pumps and everything in between, how they treated the children with COVID and this, that, and the other thing. You can't just take it for granted and not think that maybe the direction Donald Trump was really pushing hard when he was the president doesn't seem as bad as it, it as uh, you know Joe Biden and, and all the Barack Obama holdovers made it sound. Yeah, but he was mean. Come on. Mean tweets. Kill for one of those right. You've had now. mean tweets. You know that account on Twitter that uh, posts all his tweets. I, I, I've not. I did not ever think I would ever see this, but there are so many liberals on there saying, "Man, like this guy was so base." Yep. <laughs> They're loving it, and I'm like, "There's a lot of people looking in the mirror the last uh, 14 months." I tell you that. They're like, "Oh man, maybe I made a mistake." Yeah, Take yeah. A lot of people. Oh, shit, he was so funny. What the hell? <laughs> I tell I tell my uh, Democrat friends they need to go and uh, repent for their sin of voting <laughs> <Yeah>. for Biden. <laughs> go to church, go to the confessions. Hundred um, percent. They should be feeling sorry right now. Definitely, Mark. You guys talk about how hard you're working. I think one of the biggest things we try to do for our listenership is give them ways to help. We got a ton of patriots that listen to this show that live in Texas. How are ways that they can get involved, uh, either with you guys or or getting involved with these campaigns that you guys are supporting to, uh, you know, give out, out from behind the computer screen and get physically doing something that can uh, make a difference come November? Oh, that's a great question. So a lot of our uh, all of our social media, uh, we're pretty accessible. If you message it, direct message. We'll get back to you. Um, we are doing some grassroots campaigns in key states. We're doing it in Michigan, Florida, hoping to do some of it here in Texas, uh, also in Washington state. Uh, we're doing fundraisers for several candidates. And so we're going to be posting those events. Uh, I think the ways people can really get involved is kind of get involved in their local communities. I mean, I know it's been said over and over, but it's uh, not, it's really an understatement that how effective you can be at your local level at the school board. Uh, because once you get these leadership positions within your local party, local Republicans, it's going to have an effect, domino effect upwards. Mm-hmm. And when you get the right people down there, now you can get the right people running for Congress, the right people getting endorsed by your local Republican Party and getting promoted and getting those funds they need. Um, so really just kind of get plugged into your local grassroots groups. I know there's several uh, here in Houston. Uh, Vote Actively is one that I'm involved with. I know there's plenty in Dallas. Every big... Every big city, there's going to be a at least one, two, or three local grassroots groups you can get plugged in. These are people who are ordinary working class Americans who have to be passionate about their politics. They're showing up to these events. They're going to rallies. Um, they're traveling to the Capitol. They're just involved. They don't necessarily have a position anywhere, but they want to be involved and they want to help effectuate policy. And so that would be my recommendation is uh, check out your local GOP party get in there and if it's establishment that's fine get in there push it to the right push it towards the national populist agenda that is popular among those who aren't really even politically engaged they just like the ideas um so that's our recommendation and all of course like i said always reach out uh you can always reach out to us on social media or to me personally i'm on twitter facebook mark ivano uh getter as well and so i'll be happy to help out or defer someone to where they could get some help yeah, I de- definitely think we're going to have to invite you back uh, coming closer to the midterm elections. Maybe we could break down some of the races and, and we could kind of direct our listenership who the real America first populist nationalist uh, candidates are and, and what we could do to best support them, especially in races that are going to tighten up as we get closer to November here. Yeah, I will say, uh, yeah, I'd love to be back. Uh, it's been a pleasure. 
uh, definitely check out our website, rnrenewal.org. And anyone we endorse, I give my personal guarantee that we have vetted them. We have gotten their positions in writing. And so if they are endorsed by us, they're a pretty safe bet for you to vet, vote, vote for. And if they happen to turn ship because they don't have a voting record, we will hold them accountable. We will call them out. Oh, yeah. He's already mentioned Mike Collins, Joe mm-hmm. Kent, Sabatini. And then, you know, you go to either his personal Twitter or, or the organizations. You don't have to scroll too far to see the likes of some of the great ones that have been on this show. Blake Masters, Dr. Gosar, Kerry Lake, uh, et cetera. So, Mark, Andrew been, McCarthy is great as well. Oh, he's awesome. He's been on, I think, three times. And he's coming back at the end of the month. He's uh, actually become a pretty great friend of the show. Awesome. Yeah, we love it, and uh, we're going to continue to do whatever we can to support you guys and then all these America First candidates out of there. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the uh, executive director of the Republicans for National Renewal, Mark Avanio. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. You take care. Have a good weekend. Another goodie. Not bad. Feeling a little under the weather today, but still banged it out. Is it COVID again? Hell no. Third time's a charm? No. <laughs> Please no. For the love of God. Um, and for the love of all the places that you can find steak for breakfast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and now via the Patriot Podcast Network on our downloadable Roku app. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share steak for breakfast content. Show creds, of course, go to our guests. Uh, candidate running in Ohio 9, Mr. J.R. Majewski. Erica Knight, who's uh, working behind the scenes to not only bring us great guests, but to help make America great again. And Mark Avagno, uh, the president for, uh, or I'm sorry, the executive director of Republicans for National Renewal. And uh, it was great sitting down with everybody today. And uh, we hope to have them all back at some point in the future. In addition to them, we got some of our internet friends. Patriotic Babe Accounts, Cagbro88, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, Mike Crispy, Christina Bob of OAN, and Tom Papert, the Editor-in-Chief of the National File. Friends, don't forget to visit all of our sponsors and partners who help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Do I need to say anything else other than Mike Lindell? I sure will. In addition to all the sales going on right now, when you enter promo code stake at checkout, you're getting a free gift. I don't want to spoil it, but it's the uh, soft cover version of Mike Lindell's book. And it's a goodie. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is the website. And you can talk to a qualified pillow representative via the telephone, 1-800-658-8045. And when you say soft cover book, it's about as soft cover as you can get before it becomes a hard cover. Yeah. That is a legitimate book. Holographic cover? Yeah. Love it. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. Apparently, I'm getting new ear pads for my ones of ones, but I have no complaints because these things are absolutely amazing. If you want to uh, really take care of your ears, whether you're doing anything from music to podcasting and even gaming, they have console-specific headphones. Go over to odyssey.com. Check out all their stuff. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. Melted Caddx done right. If you... uh, I don't know, maybe you're one of those weird people and you want a picture of Mitch McConnell on a concealed carry holster. Unfortunately, they'll do it for you. Yeah. And they'll crank it out pretty fast. And they'll laugh at you <laughs> My, in, the, in the shop. Stay ready, gear USA. Uh, you can find them on Instagram and then stayreadygearholsters.com is the website. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. Because when you buy it, shake it, rub it, smoke it, pull it. Trizzle with barbecue sauce and throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. Every time. 
You can find him on Facebook and Instagram and at manrubs.com. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. It's pretty simple, uh, the stuff that Mike's promoting. Firearms, parts, accessories, ammo. Westcoastsurvivalarms.com is the website via the telephone, 619-870-6992, or via Facebook Messenger. Mediocre Medic for all our police and first responders. They love shopping there. Pretty Fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And DumpBox.us. It's the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. I've got about 40 of them sitting over my right shoulder. Yep. And they are glorious. Uh, DumpBox.us is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Carolina Serrano. She's running a Nevada Four America First candidate. She'll be joining us. And America First podcast host Courtney Turner will have a conversation with us as well. Kate Corgan, who's running a New York Two, she'll be sitting down and, and we'll be doing an America First interview with her. And like Noah was hoping, we'll be joined by Newsmax contributor and constitutional lawyer Amir Bento to talk all things law related. I like it. Next Friday, we're going to have a pretty above average show. It's uh, Arizona First with a little Texas twist. Kelly Townsend, who's running Arizona 1. She'll be joining us as well as Eli Crane, running in Arizona 2. And then our first sitting House representative, Beth Bandine, representing Texas 24, will join us. The following week, we've got a goodie on Tuesday the 15th. Bridget Gabriel, Clay Clark, Shu Abdirahman in a reschedule running in Minnesota 5, Elon Omar's primary challenger, and Trump-endorsed America First, Maryland gubernatorial candidate Dan Cox will be joining us as well. Josh Lacash is coming in on the 18th of March. Michael Johns and our today's reschedule with Jim Lehman, who's running in the Arizona Senate, will be on the 22nd. Christina Bob will join us for the news on the 25th of March. Antonio Patoco, who's running in Maryland 3 for a house seat, will join us. And we're going to do an America First Roundtable, New York, New Jersey edition this time. Oh, dang. Andrew McCarthy, Mike Crispy. Let's get it done. That's going to be on the 25th. We're going to tease this one. It's tentative, but we got a lot of forces putting pressure on it right now for our first show. Not because it's April Fool's Day, mm. because we're really going to make this happen. We always do at the last minute. We talked about today, Noah's already laughing. Cash Patel, Amanda Milius, same segment, April 1st. Oh, dang. We're going to go there. Not just kidding, hopefully. We got a lot of them coming up, and they're going to be good, friends. Speaking of which, friends of the week, let's go, Brenda. Who else we got? Dank Elvis. Schubertos 2.0. Mm-hmm. Snack Nicholson. What I Meme to Say. The silent Meme Jordy. Grand Old Memes got shared by Mike Lindell. Can't forget that was him. amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. We turned it into a promo code for ourselves. Who else we got? I had fun with Raheem and everybody in the Discord on uh, State of the Union night. That was fun. So we'll throw Raheem in there as well. Natalie Winters. And, uh, of course, Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, between now and uh, Tuesday, number one, have a good weekend. Number one, A, do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Super easy? So easy. Antoinette, what do you think? Easy peasy? I can do it. Anybody can do it. There you go. But more than anything else, let's see what happens. This has been episode uh, 113 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Tuesday. With Carolina Serrano, Courtney Turner, Kate Corrigan, and Amir Bento. Have a nice weekend. Thanks for listening, and take care.
Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So this is your homework, Larry. Sit in the car out front. Is this your homework, Larry? We know with this fucking homework. Where's the fucking money, you little brat? Look, Larry. Have you ever heard of Vietnam? Oh, You're entering a world of pain, son. We know that this is your homework. We know that you stole a car. And the fucking money. And the fucking money. And we know that this is your homework. We're going to cut your dick off, Larry. You're killing your father, Larry.